This is Cody from Teenage Bottle Rocket in Willingtons, and you're listening to The Dummy Room. This is the big time, girly. This is rock and roll. Hey everybody, you're in the dummy room. I'm Jody Havnut, joined as always by Nader Tot Dimmel. What's up, Nate? What's up, Jody Havnut? How you doing? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty excited. We got Jughead coming on in just a few minutes. Uh, we do. We're going to finally complete, what is it, our Fab Four so <laughs> of the what classic I the, Weasel the lineup. Fab four, yeah. yeah. I'm not a Beatles guy at all, so um, this is my Fab Four. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. You know, everyone knows that they've had so many, uh, so many, you know, people have gone through that band. Yeah. You know, even some of the great records, it's not the classic lineup, but... Yeah, but I mean, even going back to the very beginning, man, Jughead's a huge piece of the chemistry that made Weasel so fucking cool, you know? Well, yeah, he was there for, what, only the first, uh, what do we say, nine records, ten records? <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. Uh, what is it? He did 11 records with them. Yeah. So, 11 albums, and then, of course, the early singles, the Ramones albums, so... Right. I mean, he's been there for so much great stuff and continues to do great stuff today. I mean, he's really a living legend. Yeah. I'm stoked that he's finally coming to join us here in the Demi Room. Yes. I'm pretty excited, dude. I mean, dude, he's a fucking legend. Absolutely, and, man. You know, uh, of course, Screeching Weasel was like the most important band for me to get into this stuff. Yeah. Easily, you know? I mean, them and the Descendants, the Ramones. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was always cool, like, growing up, listening to Screeching Weasel and looking at pictures and stuff, and it was always like, they're, they're just a diff- they're like, they all have their own personality, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, there was no regimented look, there was no, like, stupid uniform, I mean, and to me, that's way cooler. Yep. Of course, he's not just, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole the guy as just a former member of Screeching Weasel, of course, he's former member of the mopes <laughs> current member too i guess but of course even in blackouts as well and yeah and uh and not to mention all the years of theater work and improv stuff you know yeah and then on top of that he also has jughead's basement which is a great yeah, podcast. His podcast is pretty great it really is yes he's got like the ultimate like radio voice i think you know, because <laughs> I don't like radio guy, you know, that that voice, you know, right. but he's got a really nice voice. He's 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 fun to listen to. Yeah, he seems definitely. like he can talk about pretty much anything and you'd want to listen. It's kind of like Ben in that way, too. When Ben does those streams and stuff, sometimes he's talking about the just the most boring shit <laughs> and it's still kind of entertaining. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So um, before we get into it, I wanted to ask how the uh, home life is going for you. You. Are you thinking you're going to go back to work soon or what? Oh, gosh, dude. I would It's different hope everywhere. So. In Wisconsin, they're talking like another month. Absolutely. People are kind of talking about it around here like through May. Dude, I worked my last gig on March 14th, a Saturday night. You know what I mean? It's been, yeah. it's been a long and 
boring but also productive and creative time you know yeah it's like trying to make the best of it i've written a lot of new songs we've been recording new shit we're gonna have a new something out soon enough it's looking like i mean because noel hasn't been working either in about the same amount of time and so we've just been like fuck it let's record some more shit why not yeah, that new song that you sent me, man, is fucking gold. <laughs> I'm not it's sure great, about gold, dude. but thanks, dude. Can't wait for uh, can't wait for people to hear it. I kind of like being that guy, though. I'm like, I get to hear this shit early. It's always cool, you know. <laughs> We've been but lucky the in that time, respect like, because of the podcast, you know. Yeah, but um, I kind of want to, and I kind of want everyone to hear this one. It's great. I think it's, you know, maybe I'm just saying that because it's like I've heard those other songs so many fucking times. <laughs> yeah, me too. But. It's always nice to hear something fresh, and it's it's right on par, if not better, than all of that stuff. Yeah, I think it, it's turning out pretty cool. Me and Noel have been kind of, I think we've just been so bored that it's kind of cool just to get together, because neither one of us has been working, and I don't see many people. I mean, I don't, I may see someone I know if we go to the grocery store, but lately we've been just like doing the pickup thing, where you, you make your order, and then you just pay for it, and then they tell you what time to come pick it up, and they bring it out to your car, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I haven't even really been seeing anyone, so he's the only dude that uh, I've really been seeing besides the regular, you know, wife and kids, <laughs> you know? So it's been pretty fun. We've been risking it in the name of not only making music, but mostly just killing the boredom of quarantine, you know? I mean, it's been <laughs> long and boring and... Dude, I've got so much shit done around here that I've been putting off since we moved in. You know what I mean? Even yeah. as mundane as like I unpacked a bunch of boxes that have been in the basement since we moved in like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's part of it's pretty cool. The whole like not making the normal money part, not so great. You know? Yeah, that sucks, dude. But that stimulus thing did help. And, you know. Yeah stuff stuff happens it all ends up working out it's just really a matter of i've ended up spending a lot more of my savings than that i was kind of planning on doing something this summer with like you know family vacay stuff that's pretty much wiped it out (laughs) decimated it (laughs) you know yeah but at least we still have power and water and all like the essentials and food and all that kind of shit i've been buying extra a lot of uh ordering a lot of extra shit online like board games and such just to play with the kids because they're going fucking crazy yeah they haven't been at school for the same amount of time as i've been off so and they're not going back this year you know what i mean yeah and there's nothing to do for them right i mean they can't just go anywhere nothing's open so and it's like you can go they could go outside but they're just not they're not really into that (laughs) you know what i mean they're the generation who'd rather play a game or Oh. Fuck around on their tablets and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, just go I... outside and play. You're safe. We live. Our next neighbor is pretty far away. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I've been been trying to make the kids go outside. Get the fuck out of the house. Right. Go do something. You know. Yeah. Go for a bike ride. But they've, they've been doing that so much that it's just boring. Yeah, now. it's like you burn out on that too. Yeah, dude, I got this kid. Okay, so at the end of the block, corner house, this family moved in a few years ago, and we don't really know them or anything, but their kids are fucking nuts, man. I mean, these two boys are like, they ride big wheels, man. They're like older. They got like these weird ass like hybrid big wheels with like 
like they're really long and they can do tricks and shit yeah and like slide all around the road and these fucking kids you turn the corner you can't even see them they're gonna get they're gonna get killed you know and i get all irritated you know like whatever but the other day this we can hear we're outside in the front yard and we hear this we can hear this kid hauling ass at from the end of the block you know yeah and you can't even i mean it's a big wheel you know how low they are you know right this kid's going around the block and I'm like, his parents have no fucking idea where he is, you know? <laughs> it's like, that's how it was when I was a kid, though. You know, we used to just terrorize the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. All Nobody long. does that like this anymore. This kid, and he's going to be, man, a couple years from now, he's just going to be a pain in the ass for the neighborhood. You just, I can feel it. <laughs> it's a problem child, huh? So, yeah. But, yeah, those kids are always outside, you know, tearing it up and shit. My kids are like, I can't even get them to, you know. <laughs> go outside you know right. but miles dude he's been into bubbles lately like blowing bubbles you know yeah i have to sit there and blow bubbles and then he chases them and tries to pop them you know sure i mean this kid could do this for an hour <laughs> <Right about. laughs> after doing that for blowing bubbles for an hour man <laughs> that's a tough hour it, right there dude you can't do it it's yeah. like five <laughs> minutes of that and it's like we're done we gotta go do something else <laughs> yeah the bubbles are like a, a short window of entertainment. You know, it's a, it's a quick burn. <laughs> Not for him, man. He loves it. Can I get those like different types of wands that make the different shapes and shit? Yeah, I, bubbles are bubbles, man. I got like two different wands. I got one bigger one, but it doesn't. I don't know. They're all they're fucking round bubbles. <laughs> yeah, so. but I'm saying there's different sizes. I guess before I said shapes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some star bubble and shit. He loves them though, man. That's what's He's, up. Yeah, that kid, man, he's he's been just on a streak of new words lately. <laughs> so it's been really good. I can't even remember what he was saying the other day, but, man, he's, yeah, you know that age where they start oh, yeah. saying absolutely everything. Yeah, they finally can kind of find their voice, you know what I mean? Yeah, and just his, his facial expression sometimes <laughs> when he's just eating, you know, they'll just, like, make a surprise face at you, and it's like, are you okay? Are you you're either choking or you're you have gas or you're what's going on you know so yeah anyways man yeah enough with that let's get to uh john jughead yep let's do it d-u-m-m-y-r-o-o-m coming up next we got a guest we got a guest coming up next coming up next we got a guest we got a guest coming up next all right, we are finally here with uh, Mr. John Jughead from Screeching Weasel, uh, Even in Blackouts, The Mopes. How you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's uh, 11 a.m. here in uh, Osaka and, uh, and still in quarantine. Yeah. How, how, is, uh, how is life in Japan these days? Um, you know, not good anywhere, really, but... Um, I think Japan is usually a little bit more set up for this. You know, they're more willing to wear masks in public. So um, I'm hoping that the curve is a little bit not as high as it has been in like in America. But you never know because the government also is very hush-hush about what's going on. So it's hard to tell. Yeah. It just seems to me that Japan would just be a more sterile, clean environment in general than the States. You know what I mean? seems kind of grimy over here. Yeah, it's so crowded that they they tend to be very... uh, isolated to try to as much they try to get as much space to themselves anyway so um they're you know like i said they were kind of set up for this sort of emergency situation gotcha 
So you were uh, you were a wizard there. That was the uh, the initial thing that you were over there for, right? Yeah, I was doing that on and off for about uh, six years. I don't know if I'll go back to it, but I definitely uh, love Japan now, so I'll, we'll be returning here. But uh, I'm kind of interested yeah, was, in, uh, in the wizard thing. What what exactly is that? Well, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about it much because I was under contract, <laughs> okay. and if I wa- if I want to go back to it. And they find out I've talked about it a lot. They actually search, you know, Universal Studios searches on the web and, and looks for references to the company itself. So wow. Okay. I try hmm. not. I mean, I could talk about it here, but then you wouldn't be able to put it in like any of the notes or anything. Gotcha. We don't really do <laughs> notes anyways, dude. But uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and I, I play a character in the shows in Japanese. I had to learn Japanese to do it here. Hmm. Um, it's in a theme park. I wouldn't have done it in the States, but the idea of being in a theme park in Japan... And being a wizard just seemed really appealed to me. Yeah, it's just weird great. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you get to absorb a whole new culture and live there. I mean, it's a win-win, you know. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the win-win part for me too, is the culture aspect of it. Because I love traveling in, in general and anyway, so it was it really made sense to be able to stay here longer. I never made it here with a band up until I had moved here, so I'd always wanted to. Yeah. Plus, if you were doing it in the States, it might be like someone might take you out of character. You might be doing a show and then someone's like, holy shit, it's Jughead from Weasel. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got that a couple of times here in Japan, but I, I don't know. I, I handle that pretty well because I've been doing theater for as long as I've been in the band. So yeah. I've had to deal with that already. So it's not really a big deal. Cool. People are usually pretty respectful. Yeah. So do you go to, uh, well, when you could, were you going to shows over there at all? Uh, yeah, I have a, a friend here from Australia who he's actually he lives here now. He's got a family here, but uh, he's he's got his sort of hand on the pulse of music in Osaka. So um, the hard thing about seeing Japanese bands is a lot of them are s- so dedicated to the original band that they they emulate it so much that it's you know it's no different than seeing the band. Like I saw a band that was like a rancid cover, and they had all the same tattoos, same guitars, <laughs> it played exactly the same songs, and it was like eh boring so my friend ben yeah my friend ben has a better touch on to like bands that have their own japanese uh feel to it so uh we go to shows every couple weeks i mean no one's going to any shows now they're all closed down but we would go about every every week we'd probably go see some punk band or some funk band Uh, there's always something going on here in osaka so you go to you, you go to a punk rock show you have to be recognized a little bit right yeah, when I go with Ben, it's not as much because he does a different range of stuff. But I'm also friends with uh, Hidoaki from the the Wimpies, mm-hmm. and uh, when I when I hang out with him, there's always a bunch of people that that know me. It's I I, I like that. I I really enjoy that sort of. Uh, and then they try to get to try out some of their English, so it's fun, and I get to try out some <laughs> of my Japanese. <laughs> I'm sure you get asked to uh, to get up and play with people every once in a while, then. Uh, yeah, I've I've done it with uh, the Socho Pistons, which yeah. is a great yeah. Ramones core band out of uh, Hiroshima. Your car doesn't 
and I've done it with the with the Wimpies, and I played with uh, the Apers here when they were here. So okay. that's cool. So you were supposed to uh, you were supposed to come back to the states here. What like pretty much right now, and you were supposed to be playing some shows. And yeah, course- I did actually come back. I did come back. Um, I finished my contract here, and then uh, we immediately went into. Uh, I immediately went into like a self quarantine at home. I was there for twelve days, and then all my well, my what was happening is, I'm from this company, the Neo Futurist, a theater company, and I had sure. set up gigs in Chicago, New York, and San Francisco. And then I was like, as long as I'm there with these, I have all these days off during the week. Let's do some, you know, punk shows. So I set those up with Grim Deeds and uh, uh, Jay Prozac and uh, a couple others. Um, but they all fell through. So I was like, uh, I might as well sit back in Japan where I can go hiking than stuck in this, you know, city where I can't do anything. So I came back. <laughs> right on. Wise decision. So I had 12 days in quarantine, then another 14 in quarantine here. So (laughs) back to back. (laughs) So I assume you're going to try to, you know, redo that again when you can. Yeah, that's the plan. I think everyone wants to. I mean, I was even getting one ready in uh, L.A. with that. uh, I don't know if you ever heard of that cover band, uh, Screeching Sheasel, the all-female Screeching Weasel band. But (laughs) I was going to. I'm friends with uh, the guitarist from that band, so I was going to do that one too, with maybe with Panic. Um, so the, the, yeah, they're all going to be re reset up. They're probably easy to set up because I'm pretty, I mean, I'm pretty easy to you know plan for. So well, that's cool. Hey, Jacket, I was always kind of curious how you ended up hooking up with the Mangies early on because the first time I saw them, you were playing guitar with them in Carbondale. I just thought it was so cool. I was just yeah. curious, like what led you guys to play together. Because it wasn't just like a one-off thing. You did the whole tour, right? Well, it's weird because I had, I had my finger on the pulse. Bring that phrase back again on <laughs> theater. But Ben had more of the punk sort of connection in general. I mean, you know, from the beginning. Yeah. Um. So the Mangies had sent them, uh, uh, had sent him a couple seven inches, and we were going to do uh, the cover of their song. Mm-hmm. Um. Why can't I think of it right now? Do what's, I will always do. I will always do. Yeah. I will always do. Yes. <laughs>
so we sort of started uh, corresponding with them through that. And of course, me running the label and that sort of the business, I had to deal with them. And then I got close to Andrea. And then um, I decided to go out to, I had never been to uh, Italy. So after that big uh, House of Blues show that Screeching Weasel did, um, when we split up for the last time, probably, or, <laughs> or last time we played out, yeah. Right. Yeah. 2001, I think. Um, then I, I had said, um, I had never done this before. I, my friends had always come up to me and said, hey, I got into a gig by dropping your name. And I was like, well, I never do that. I've never done that. <laughs> so I decided I was going to go to Europe, and I announced on message boards that I was going to Europe. And then anybody who wanted to hang out with me uh, just you know, send me an email. So uh, Andrea sent me an email. So I, I flew out to, I landed in, I don't know, I think, was, I think I was in London. Then I worked my way all the way to La Spezia. And that's how I met them. That's cool. Yeah, and then I, I just booked their first, uh, yeah, and then I wanted them to do the first Even in Blackouts tour with me because I just bought the this van to help. I mean, actually, I bought it for the Mangies, and then Even in Blackouts used it. Um, so as long as they were, I was going to take them around, they were like, oh, why don't you just join us on guitar? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> that was awesome, <laughs> man. That was one yeah. of the greatest shows I've seen that I always kind of talk about on the show a lot. It always comes up, but the coolest part about that whole day it was you guys, Mangie's copyrights, and someone else, I can't remember, but like during one of the first bands, this girl that I had brought with me, we'd been drinking all the way there from St. Louis to Carbondale. It was like about an hour and a half, you know what I mean? So we were already kind of fucked up, and then they moved the venue. <laughs> but we decided we were going to go get some sandwiches somewhere, you know? So we were walking a couple of blocks away, and I saw you just sitting on the grass right off the sidewalk, like a few blocks from the venue, just totally rocking out on your acoustic. And I went up to you and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, man, I just I just love to play my guitar. And I'm like, that's cool, man. Carry on. <laughs> so we can got some sandwiches. But I always took that away from me. It was like, man, this fucking dude loves his music, dude. You're sitting in blocks away just in the grass rocking out. And no one was paying you any attention or anything. I always like kind of think about that. It's like, dude, Jughead's all in, man. It was so cool, man. It was very inspirational. That's what's kind of neat with my life when I talk about being like in my book, I talk about being semi-famous and it's kind of a, sometimes it's a burden, but often it's this great thing where I just get to just be a regular human being most of the time. Yeah. Then occasionally some super fan will notice me and they usually, like I said, they're usually respectful about it and, and I like talking about it, but yeah, I could walk around the world as normal as I want. And, and I tend to really like wandering. So whenever I go play at a venue, <laughs> I always wander off by myself for a couple hours. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. I, that always stuck with me that you were so into the music that you're just by yourself, like, you know, an hour before the gig, just rocking out by yourself, you know, it was just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I, I, I had first started writing for even in blackouts then too. So I was constantly had the acoustic guitar in my hand, um, because I had always wrote parts for weasel, you know? Yeah. But I had never really committed to writing a full song. So that was a, it was a new thing for me and uh, exciting at the time. Yeah, it really was exciting. And you could really see that you were excited, so it was pretty infectious. Definitely. Really fun. Mm -hmm. I actually just recently looked uh, back at a, a live video of uh, me and with the Mangies, and that's probably it's probably the most exciting uh, videos I've seen of me on stage with a band, so I must have really enjoyed being with them. <laughs> it was super cool, dude. And they were, like, you know, new and fresh to all of us at the time, so it was, like... It was just badass, man. So cool. Yeah, they're so good. 
sad thing is if they were just an american band in that pop scene then they'd be way more popular than they are but yeah since they're all the way out in italy they they're not as well known yeah i think they've kind of attained legendary status though over these years don't you think uh, they they definitely have yeah, yeah. i, I mean and so. the scene even though the punk scene has shrunk uh bands like that have been able to grow sort of in popularity within that smaller scene yeah it's more acceptable now to be playing you know anywhere in the in in the world Right. Hey, do you still uh do you still have your striped shirt? I do. I uh, it's in my, yeah, it's in my house back in Chicago. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. A friend of ours uh, has your old guitar, man. Well, there's a couple of my guitar. Uh, you mean my like my that, we- uh, weasel guitar? Yeah, yeah, the weasel guitar, the uh what was it? A, was it a Washburn? Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, uh Westone. Westone, Westone, that's right. <laughs> Like a $50 guitar that I got in a, like a record store. It was cool when we had Vapid on. I was asking him about how you guys got your guitar tone on My Brain Hurts. He told us that it was like a, a shitty solid-state crate 112, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine was, mine was, uh, mine was, a, 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 was actually a DJ speaker. I didn't even have an amp back then. <laughs> It was a little teeny PV decade uh, that was hot wired into a DJ speaker through this dinosaur old uh, DJ amp that wow. I had. <laughs> so I always said my sound sounded like uh, crinkling paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. You always had a good sound. Even if you go back and watch some of those old videos, it always sounds pretty fucking good, man. And that's just coming through like a shitty camera. Yeah, what I learned back then, I mean, except for, like, if we were in the really small venues, sometimes I would borrow another amp. But I, what I learned back then is the sound men actually like it when you have amps that can't play that loud, because then they're able to control the sound better for the audience. So yeah. I learned early on with Weasel, since I had an amp that could only, and it couldn't go very loud since it was just like a piece of crap, um, that they actually really enjoyed that. So in general, I tend to try to go lower in volume. Yeah, and then just let the PA and get a good monitor mix on stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Easier to carry too, right? 
Uh, yeah, it was. I, well, kind of. That, that that It was the, what do they call the high-end, uh, they call it the, well, the tweeter was what it was called back then, before there was tweeting. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of a heavy little <laughs> DJ amp. <laughs> gotcha. So, hey, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Panic Button. I got a question. Um, I was kind of wondering, like, how you and Ben kind of coexisted in that label. Like, were you the business guy? Was he, you know, how'd you choose bands? Did you guys have, like, meetings and shit? At that time of our career together, we hardly ever saw each other, but we were on the phone every day. And then I'd make the hike up to his area in, like, uh, the West Chicago probably once a week. Um, yeah. and it kind of, it came, kind of came natural from how we ran screeching weasel. I did all like the, the background stuff. Like I basically, I, I'd say if you were taking an accountant and a lawyer and put them together and make them do everything, that's how it would be divided. <laughs> like he was more in charge of the outward, you know, the external. And I was in charge of like the internal workings. It's a great label, man. Yes. Yeah. I love those days. It was kind of. It was really rough. That's when uh, Lookout um, and Mordam was going to a larger uh, distributor, and things got really weird then. Like, they started to put restrictions on what we could put out based on, like, filling, uh, you know, record stores on the corner tabs or whatever those was called. Like, we had to actually pay. We were already putting out, like, 30,000 Weasel records without any advertising, and then they were like, well, we're not taking these unless you buy a corner for our record stores and whatever. Wow. And and then we it came down to one day where me and Ben actually had to sit and wonder if we were going to be able to put out Chris Barrows, you know, from the Pink Lincolns and Jackie Papers, his next project. And I was like, I, I hate this, that we're having to consider our best friend because of these financial things this distributor is causing us to have to do. So we decided to get rid of it then. It was a great label, though, man. So many good records and bands, you know, short lived, but yeah. definitely sweet. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, my relationship to the Mangies was uh, continued then with the Lillingtons, basically the same way where Ben sort of found them, sent me the tape, I loved it, and then um, I kind of took over the handling of them from there. So I became really close to them over the years. Yeah, such a great band. That's probably my favorite Panic Button release is Death by Television. Out of them all, I think that's probably the best. Yeah. That's a tough I call, wish the, there's the... a lot of great shit on the label. It's hard. To, it's hard yeah, to pick wish. a favorite, man. It's hard to choose over that Moral Crux record. Yeah, yeah, that's a great record. Oh my god, Teen Punks is fantastic too. Yeah, I regret that we couldn't get Teen Idols on earlier. You know, they did that split with us, but I wanted them on the label from the beginning. Oh um, yeah, but they were on. They were on Honest Dons at the time. Yeah, yeah, which preceded us just a little bit. So. Yeah, but that four on the floor split's like one of the greatest, man. Especially for a four way, you know. Yeah. Turn on the light, turn on the light Can you take away the anger 
yeah, I still have a couple of those left. I'm holding on to those. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends, Justin Perkins, um, you know, prior to being in Yesterday's Kids, we were friends, and, and he would tell me, um, you know, he, he was sending demos to Ben, and um, Ben was writing back, which back then it was kind of unbelievable, you know, that Ben Weasel would, you know, pay attention to some 16-year-old kid in Wisconsin, you know, but... um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but like a year later, a year of sending Ben these demos and stuff, uh, yeah, you guys signed them. <laughs> Yesterday's kids, I we couldn't believe it, you know. Like, how did these guys get signed to to you know Panic Button? So they were a great band, but um, I was always really impressed that that the label reached, you know, actually extended, you know, an arm to such a, a basically a nobodies. You know, they weren't the Lillingtons. They, you know, they weren't they weren't really touring. So. Yeah. I, I mean, remember cool. the Lillingtons in the day weren't really that big. I, I, I don't. That was yeah, kind of our mission. Is we wanted to. We released. The only reason we were releasing our own records on that label was to raise money to put out records, so we didn't have to worry about that financial thing. That's why it kind of was really hurtful when that whole thing happened with Chris Barrows and the the, yeah. the new distributor through Mordam Records. Um, kind of big delusional effect on us from then. Because it was all about putting out bands that may not have had a chance otherwise to have larger distribution. So yesterday's kids to us fit right in with that idea.
Yeah, so I, I guess I'm I'm confused on that. If, I mean, wasn't Mordam the the actual distributor? So they had another distributor for them. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. It's just way back now, but <laughs> and, and um, but Lookout and Mordam. Well, Mordam was also putting out helping out records with alternative tentacles pretty close mm -hmm. and then they took on this distributor called red or you know you might be right i wonder if lookout just changed to red and that was the case i can't i can't quite remember it was really confusing back then yeah gotcha um, but basically i mean i know it was red distribution that was the one that was demanding stuff of us not not more than records per se right. Um, but what I, what I can't remember quite correctly is whether they were also using Red, but I know that Lookout was, which was f distributing all of our stuff at the time. We didn't have our own distributor. Yeah. We directly went through Lookout Records. Yeah, I can remember, I mean, a lot of these Panic Button CDs being in Best Buy by my house. Like, I yeah. don't know if we had a special person ordering stuff there at that one or what, but I mean, I picked up a bunch of these just right off the rack at Best Buy, dude. I always thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was probably pretty much. I mean, Mordam Records had some of that uh, effect too. But uh, once, but Red really had it. Like that, they they almost like force record stores to take their records. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very a mafia driven sort of uh, industry, the dis distribution world. Offering records they just couldn't refuse, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I always figured it was the screeching weasel name kind of goes pretty far. I mean, Screeching Weasel's been everywhere, you know, every store for forever, you know. So I just assume that everyone picked them up because of because of you guys. So yeah, I mean, I I would say that the the people in the know, like the fans, were doing that exactly what you're saying, which is what we wanted. But once I said, once Lookout moved to the Red Distribution, it became something else. They didn't know who we were. That you know, we were small on their their roster <laughs> of popular bands. So. They just mm -hmm. made us pay the dues. Yeah. So how was that? I mean, you screeching. You were out of screeching weasel, but you were still working with Ben at Panic Button, correct? Yeah. Well, Ben and I also ran Weasels Inc. So there was always stuff to do, even when the band was, uh, you know, on the three hiatuses. Yeah. We were still working, always working together, uh, pretty much side by side. So that ended around 2006, I think. Whereas the band itself, with my participation, I think, was like 2001 or something around there. I'm not, I don't have the exact date, yeah. but that's around the time that we actually stopped doing stuff. Okay. I, I was, I, I've been curious for a long time, like, are you, do you have any kind of, um, you know, stake in Screeching Weasel still? Um, that was a really contentious issue, and I sort of walked away from it instead of being in court for the rest of my life. Like, okay. Uh, like someone had said he'd try to do. Um, so I, I, I was doing even in blackouts at the time. So I, I kind of just, uh, instead of having to deal with that, was like, I'd rather just create new music. So I kind of walked away. Okay. Um, but got, got slightly ripped off in the, in the process, but I was, I was more in, interested in creation than, uh, legalization. <laughs> <laughs> I still get all my royalties from the records. Like, you know, I was in charge of the royalties for the 20 years of distributing it to everybody and keeping track of all of that. So, and Ben's really good with that. Like once we had our, you know, 
our royalty percentages on every record, that's it's it's always stayed the same. So I still get all that money, and I get a percentage of the shirts too. Let me ask you this then, Jughead. Since you're the you're the guy, you're the guy that could definitively say which Weasel records sold the most, right? Like you would know for sure if anybody does, right? Well, yeah. Or like the numbers all fudged coming from Lookout. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's hard to say because uh, Boogit Up was distributed by so many different uh, labels and distribution companies and had different releases in Europe and Lookout and in Roadkill. I think that's probably by far the really the largest one sold. But it's hard to tell because then Fat Records just alone, probably with Bark Like a Dog, sold uh, quite, a f- quite a lot. But uh, it's definitely between those two, I would think. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a trip. So not the best two. <laughs> so since we're since <laughs> well, we're it depends on it, who you depends on who you're talking to. Right. Yeah. Can I ask you <laughs> what, what? Jay Porzak, Bark Like a Dog, is his favorite, or you're talking about you know yeah. some more crust punks? Boogada is their favorite, you know. <laughs> True. So what what is uh, what's your favorite? <laughs> I actually don't have a single one. It's 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 really? more about the mood of the. I I could almost justify. There's a few that I justify as some of my favorites and Boogie Day is one of them because I, to me that's the where you can act historically you can see the transition from yeah. us yeah. being influenced by circle jerks and AOD to Ramones and our own sort of you know take on that so it that that to me is a document of that change was a lot of fun for me and i wrote a lot of that stuff too so it was a fun record to do record too and then my brain hurts i think is the most solid from beginning to end yeah record we've done 
I think the one of the most exciting for me is major label debut because I just think it's like a burst of complete energy that yeah. from beginning to end. You like uh the the transition between Bugada and my brain hurts obviously it's it's you know night and day there um you know was there anybody in the band that was kind of not liking that direction or you know what i mean leaving the more of the obviously from the first record to Bugada, the there was you added more of a, a pop sensibility into it definitely into my brain hurts i'm just curious was there any kind of resistance to any of that new sound any of the resistance, well, by then it was, let me think about that change. We just had Warren and Steve, and Steve was out because of uh, distance and just not interested anymore. So that had nothing to do with the music. Warren decided he wasn't going to play anymore. He was just going to be a math teacher. Uh, not just, actually. It's a great profession. <laughs> I admire him a lot. So there was no resistance because uh, Vapid was playing with us a bit and uh wait when it was one well, no we did that see now i gotta do the timeline is <laughs> the is the uh punk Game. house is that after bugada that's after bugada yeah. Right? yeah yeah so vermin and vapid had been uh in, and that's right they went off and did uh their side project and then we stopped for a while um no 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 there no no resistance with by anybody in that like earlier on vince uh from the original incarnation liked the uh, hardcore stuff more and that's why he eventually joined impulse manslaughter with glenn herman at the time um so he wasn't as crazy about us doing the more of the melodic stuff but ben and i had always been on board about the melodic that was always sort of our goal is to get better at that um so no resistance i mean okay. when he started bringing in songs like i remember our first rehearsal with uh panic and uh vapid i think it was in panic's house in the west suburbs uh he brought in uh one of the early ones was what we hate and i was like this is this is it this is great this is amazing i love it
timeless. Yeah, we had done some similar stuff to it with that other side project we did, uh, the uh, Gorgo Girls. So yeah. we were heading in that direction already. So, um, but I, lo- I I loved it. Yeah, I I've always been a huge fan of melodic music, no matter you know no matter what genre it is. So I was all about it, and yeah. So no resistance earlier on with Vince. That's probably the only resistance resistance we ever had as a musical direction. Okay, I thought maybe it was you, just because you know if if Bugada was you know if you really liked that record, I thought maybe you'd want to stay on that direction. Oh, I liked all the all that music, and um, I mean earlier on it was decided that Ben was going to be the main uh, singer. So on my own initiative, I became the supporter system. Uh, I've done that before with other like genre and theater and stuff like that too, where I it's I, I'd rather not compete for something, so I just go okay, I'm the support role in this project, so. <laughs> Um, so I didn't care. I didn't, whatever direction he took it, I would, I would, I would tell him my opinion and we'd discuss it, but I would, I was all for whatever way we went. Cool. So really quick question about bark like a dog. Obviously that was, um, I don't, I don't want to say it's a, uh, it's definitely a departure from the, the previous screeching weasel albums. I always thought, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of more, um, I don't know, more Ramonesy. It's just straightforward. Well, it's not more. It is. I mean, that's not even. Yeah, that they yeah. came right out of the, the three of them came out of the Riverdale's, and that was yeah. kind of in Ben's blood. That's kind um, of where I was going with that. If that was the direction of that, and if they just, I always kind of wondered how why they, why they didn't just make that a Riverdale's record and come back to Screeching Weasel with more of a traditional Weasel sound. I guess if that's if that makes sense. Well, I don't know. I think you know. Ben is the major songwriter in all those projects. It's just, I don't know. It had to do with uh, morale too. The, the three of them were not getting along well at all. Oh. They had a completely different structure. They were called a democracy of that in that <laughs> band. But come on, for real, it's hard to have a democracy with Ben. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a, a tolerant dictator at at best, probably. Um, so I think they they kind of. Uh, you know they kind of exploded from the inside so i think they were uh happy to sort of bring me back in to, to i don't know to freshen it up again a little bit so they just took whatever they had and then they brought it in cool I, i'm easily. i'm i'm glad it happened don't get me wrong i mean i really like that record it's just the sound is yeah. just you know yeah i had a, i had a hard i had a hard time with a lot of aspects of that but like once again any kind of weasel project I was always on board and always had fun, but that was probably one of the most. That one in Television City Dream were probably the most uh, uh, stressful albums I've ever done with the band. Hmm. Stressful from like what? Like people weren't getting along, or you didn't like the material? Um, or? No, no. Once, well, no. We always got along, but some there was you know we were dealing with Lookout at the time, and then leaving Lookout and go to Fat, so that yeah. was kind of disruptive. Um, they they were really caught up on this. You know Ben, especially this jeans and T-shirt uh, and the whole like uniform and uh, shit. leather jacket look. Yeah. yeah, and I we had a big, <laughs> big, 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 big fight in uh, Larry Livermore's office and look out about that because he just sprung it on me that we were going to do that with Weasel. I go, nope, no, I'm not. Nope. I will never wear jeans and a leather jacket. <laughs> no, I always thought it was cooler that you uh, were just like your own thing. You know? Yeah, that was always yeah. That was kind of that's that's I mean, what that's I said punk. to him too. I go, we've. Yeah, that's what I said to him too. I go, this band has always been about put on whatever the hell you want and and play your music. So that's what I'm going to continue doing. 
And uh, we, we had a fight about it, but it, it, it came out in the end that way. And then it's just the all the, the the regiment downstrokes was a little bit disturbing to me too, even though I liked it. But I was like, well, some of these songs would sound better if I strummed, and but it was, but that was kind of the approach there that everything would be downstroked. Yeah. Hmm. So that was frustrating too. But I I love the sound that came out, and I ended up doing all of the rhythm tracks except for one song. I mean, even Ben's and mine parts. So. Oh, right on. Hmm. I don't think that I'll ever. All right, so can we talk a little bit about the mopes, dude? I fucking love the mopes. That's one of my favorite things you've ever done. Like, I just, I just love it. It's so good. I mean, it's like an all-star yeah, cast. I, you know what I mean? Everything about it's just totally right on. I, you can't see this, but I'm smiling from ear to ear when you bring up the mopes because that's <laughs> it's always been a joy project there's only been a couple frustrating times in the life of the mopes but uh, mostly it's been trying to not actually make it a band and for a while there i tried to make it a band because it was so fun but then i sort of learned my lesson that that would have ruined the uh 
I don't know, the funness of all of us getting to, getting together. Yeah. One album. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, we had B-Face the... on. He said he's on board for another Mopes record, man. So you guys got a... You got nothing but time in this quarantine, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's we're both in. It's it's about convincing uh, Vapid. You know, he's yeah. You kind of do need Vapid. He doesn't like getting distracted from his main. That's always been his thing with him, and the Mopes has been hard for him, even though fun. Once he once we get together, it's it's always fun. But I think he feels that like it's a distraction that may take him away from his main projects at the time. So that's yeah. it's always something we're dealing with with the Mopes. He's afraid of uh, taking away his time from, you know, because he's a family man now, so he's got limited time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, B-Face and I will continue to, you know, prod here and there, <laughs> and hopefully we'll get one out of him yeah. eventually. <laughs> Every time that he comes on our show, we're always going to poke at him too, man. We really want that to happen again. Definitely. Yeah. He never says no to a show, so that's yeah. good. He never says no to us playing a show. So I think it's the creative aspect of it that drains him a little bit, and gotcha. I understand that. I was at the 50th uh, at your birthday party at, at the Foo Bar here in St. Louis uh, a couple of years back, and you guys played a set, and it was fucking unreal, man, and people were fucking losing their shit the whole night. It was so great. <laughs> it was so great, man. That whole weekend was one of the best times of my life, and I when I was conceiving, I conceived it for a year when I was sitting in Osaka, sort of out of touch with the, you know, missing my friends and bands and and worked on it for about a year, putting that all together. But I never thought it would be so exhilarating as it was. Like I forgot that I'm one of those guys that stays in contact with everybody, and I forgot that everyone doesn't do that. So <laughs> that aspect of being in a room with all these band members that hadn't seen each other in like decades for some of them was really uh, amazing. Yeah, a stacked bill for sure, man. But that Mopes yeah, set yeah. was really special, you know? There were like drunk dudes like crying and shit. Well, that's the thing though. The Mopes too is so easy because we've all been doing so many bands that we hardly even practice. We usually do like one practice where we kind of run through all the songs and then, uh, and that's one of those where we, me, B-Face and who's ever on drums, Lumley is really good at it. Uh, We just sort of basically follow Vapid and um, that's, it works really nicely that way. So, and he really enjoys it then too because he's got this backing band that's just, you know, m- going with his moves. <laughs> it's a hell of a backing band, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, we were talking about earlier before we started recording about possibly doing like a track by track on the Mopes uh, accident waiting to happen. Uh, you still feel like doing that, dude? We can. I mean, I'm. let me see if I can pull it up because I, I'd have to <laughs> maybe even hear some of them. To <laughs> Although, yeah, we play most of those when we play live. Yeah, so, it's but, like the uh, hits right I don't there. even think I have it. Well, let, well let's, see what I, let's see what I know about it. Yeah. I'm not always good about talking about songs as much as like, I, I hear you. history. All right, well, speaking of history, then take us back to the recording of this record. I mean, what was the feel? Were you guys coming in loose? Did you have songs together? Was it similar to when you did the EP? Was there a new vibe? Like, what was going on? Um most it was different than the the EP the EP was just we just B-Face had parts I had parts Vapid had parts B-Face and Vapid had messed around on tour with the Queers uh, Vapid would come to my house at you know Panic Bun Records headquarter and we would just laugh and play instrumentals and stuff so that one was more of a uh, spontaneous uh, and we just threw Lumley in the mix rehearsed for one day and we did all those <laughs> Accident waiting to happen was a little bit more. Uh, Vapid had a goal, you know. He had 
a serious breakup. So most of the stuff was him dealing with that aspect of it. Um, so it was a little bit more pinned down, but we wrote a couple of those right in the studio. Right. Like 1850 or something. Yeah. 1850. And, uh, glad, glad to see you go. Is that the, the, I don't have the titles. Glad you're gone. gone. Yeah. Glad you're gone. That was that was written by all of us in the studio. Cool. It's one of my favorites on there. It's a great one. All right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first song, uh, "My Heart Won't Bleed for You," coming out the gate hot. Just the perfect starter track. You guys will have more to say about songs than me, but <laughs> I, what I can say about that one is that's the one that's requested the most out of people that want to. If I say, uh, if people want to play weasel songs with me, I go, well, let's throw a couple of mopes in. That's usually uh, the one that they pick. That's like hmm. the hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really, you know, it has that Ramones feel, but also has its own sort of whatever mopes fun feel to oh, it. Too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a really good one, and that that chord progression is just really. Really cool that Vapid came up with that. It's, yeah. You know, it's very similar to a lot of punk songs, but also different in his Vapid way. I think. <laughs> totally. It's the it's the fourth best song on the on the album. <laughs> so <laughs> you already got yeah. them ranked out and shit, honey. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, next song, she fell for me. It's kind of a bit, a uh, little more of a like a rock and rolly feel. I always yeah. thought. 
Yeah, we wrote that one in the studio, and we all uh, participated in the lyrics for that one. It's one of um, my favorites. I don't know why. I don't have a lot of memories of this of recording this record. Probably because I was at Sonic Iguana all the time during those days. You know, with you know all different projects. So I can't right. separate out my memories as best. But I do remember recording that. Like we all sat in the Massa just sort of changed his way of recording bands. Like the drummer would be in the room, but the rest of the musicians would be in the uh, control room with him. So it it always it it felt really cool just to be playing there and hearing it almost like how it would sound like on a record instead of on crappy headphones in a room with all this you know <laughs> reverberation noise. Yeah. Um, so I remember that song specifically, hearing the the muting and going, "Wow, this I'm playing really good." <laughs> 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 it just felt really felt really natural to be uh, playing with those guys and that sound that Mass. It's a sound I hadn't normally used. Mass had sort of uh, rigged our amps for us so he was in control of yeah. all of the how that sounded and that's one of my best favorite sounding records i think too so the saldano strikes again man <laughs> yeah we were doing the we were doing the saldanos uh, using those there yeah i don't know if flav was working for saldano yet then but uh but we pretty predominantly used saldano amps yeah sounds great man yeah what do you remember about baby doll anything I, I remember that uh, I was surprised that I had never seen B-Face play guitar before. And I was like, why are you just doing bass? Because he did the solos for uh, Baby Doll and for uh, one of the other ones. I can't remember the name of it right now. Cool. And uh, I just remember being uh, surprised that he played guitar so well and that, that it made me even happier to be in a, a band like the Mopes where anybody could probably play anything. <laughs> Hell yeah. So there was no like distinction. I mean, we fell into our roles, but to me at that point, there was no real distinction. We were just a bunch of guys getting together, putting songs together. I think Baby Doll's a hit. Yeah, that's that's a classic 50s rip-off sort of hit song. Yeah, <laughs> really good. Baby Doll, I can you love me the way that I love you? We can make it work if we try.
he is such a great songwriter that you, you sometimes he can it seems like he can write you know his Riverdale songs were great but they had that sound his methadone stuff is is equally great but it's a completely different kind of a sound you know so baby yeah. doll it, it it's sort of it's sort of this like weird mopes Riverdale sound you know it's more on that side but um it's it's one of my favorites by him of all of his his through his whole discography baby dolls classic yes vapid is he's almost an idiot savant in this way because he's so good but he, i remember in weasel days if you let him if ben walked out of the room and you just let vapid go while he was in the vocal booth he could imitate any singer like perfectly <laughs> So he already has it in his blood to be able to like pull out any style he wants to. He just prefers, you know, punk songs. But that that man can play anything. Yeah, Vapid man, he's a, he's a talent, and he just has yeah. a great voice to go with it. You know. Yeah, he's got it all. Oh yeah. Uh, hang him ten high. Yeah, that's that's uh, that was one of the ones that was uh, written with me and Vapid in in the Panic Button office. I think at the I think it was still Panic Button at the time. There, I'm pretty sure, or just starting. It was my apartment in Lincoln Square, and we wrote a bunch of instrumentals because we were going to do a full uh, Western soundtrack. We th- we thought it was really funny to do a uh, soundtrack with even sound bites of a movie that didn't exist. So that <laughs> was a that was a remnant of that idea of of a Western soundtrack of a movie that no one, that never existed. And we would just crack each other up doing some of the sound bites, you know, yeah, uh, just two, two cowboys trying to chase each other down in the, in the, in the West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're a perfect guy to do stuff like that because of your theater background and shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I loved it. I, yeah. That's why the, there's a thing at the end of the EP of, uh, the mopes where we just talk about uh it's like a sales pitch for the mopes and that's kind of i wanted that running through all the records in general but we sort of dropped that element and just kept it to music <laughs> yeah um but the other thing about that song hang em 10 high is it, it 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 i think it's really smart and it combines our idea of uh beach songs with uh, cowboy songs so because that's that title is reminiscent of both so it's pretty cool that way i think mm. Like hang him ten high, which is a cowboy phrase for or hang him. Wait, yeah, is that the phrase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang him, hang him high, high, and then like hang ten. Yeah, hang him high. Yeah, yeah, hang ten. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. All right, next up, um, I don't know how to say goodbye. Mm. This, to me, that's the, that's the hit on the. the hit. Oh, yeah, it's like, beautiful. It's one of my dude. favorite rap songs of all time. It's yeah, it is. It's really beautiful. It sort of expresses the ultimate, uh, you know, the relationship breakup that he was going through. Um, I think it, it's heartfelt. It's really well sang and simple. Yeah. yeah. And the muting it was so much fun because, like, with those soldanos and that, I really appreciated the downstroking muting on playing that song. Um, yeah, it's. I love playing that one still now. And that was my first attempt to try to be a back backing vocalist too. Was with that so that was fun too
mentioned vapids rights and sometimes it sounds like methadones sometimes it's more riverdales this would have been the best methadone song <laughs> <laughs> well originally uh uh we were going to we we're going into the studio to do this is why b-face and lumley are on that first one am i correct right they are on that first record right yeah 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 uh we were going to go in to do a mopes record and then um Dan sent me all these uh, songs, and I started learning them. I remember being on the phone, like a, one of the actual house phones with a cord and everything, <laughs> and talking to him about this. And and I was this is the time I was saying was the, the darker period of the fun mopes. Was I was trying to push it to being a band, and he was like, "Well, you know these songs. I think we should give it another name of uh, you know let's just call it a different band like this just for fun." And uh, I wasn't for it. I was like, "Nah." I'd you know I'd rather because I'm like a one band at a time kind of guy and I was like well I'd rather just do it as the Mopes so I I dropped out so and then he decided to call it the Methadones then yeah hmm. I think Mike had told so us the that. actual so so in relation to this yeah that that Methadones record is was uh, Mopes influenced yeah cool yeah this is this song though is oh, unreal yeah. Yep, it's a hit. It's a, you know we did acoustic at at my at my uh, house for a a, a, a punk hearts uh, uh, raising funds for uh, mental illness and uh, it sounds great acoustic too. It's just yeah, it's really it's just a great song. Yeah. All yeah. around. Right next up the the getaway. Oh, that's in the yeah the second uh, the the newer version of it. That's not on the original version right. of the record. Um, it was hard to stick those in because after years and years of hearing accident waiting to happen without these two yeah, extra tracks, it sucks up the flow. We had me. no idea. Yeah, it fucks it up. Um, that one was another one of me and uh, I think that's mostly mine. Yeah, that's uh, me and Vapid goofing around. Um, once again, a very theatrical sort of. Take. We just pictured uh, two people in a car chase, um, and that that was about it. And I just did that really weird guitar melodic thing that i that it's that runs through the whole song and we just fit the song behind it there's there isn't much to it but i really enjoyed the the sort of the creation project with him yeah, it's cool so and the idea of just that's why we put the car swerves in there and all because yeah, everything right. that me and vapid wrote together was always very visual very theatrical 
Is there a reason why that wasn't on the? It, that was only on the reissue. Just time or what? Uh, yeah, it just wasn't as good. It's not as it's not as solid of a song. Okay. And it didn't There's, really fit into the themes we were playing with at the time. Um, no, that was it. It's not. I mean, it, it's it was one of the last ones we went in to do, and it just. I think we, we all agreed it just wasn't as strong as the rest of the material. It's cool to hear something new, you know, years later, though. It's kind of cool. I would have just stuck it at the end as, a, like, a bonus track, though. Yeah, but I don't know. Ending with, uh, yeah, well, the one that ends you. with... I, <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to mess with how that both sides ended. I thought they both ended really um, almost perfect, so... yeah. I think it's just the whole thing. We've been used to it one way for so long. You know, you, you change it and it feels all weird. But I bet to kids that yeah. discover the record, the reissue, it's just that's their that's their version. You know what I mean? They love it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'm actually now Googling that record so I can look at the titles too. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if I can find it online here. The reissue was on Sounds Rad, right? Uh, yeah. Or am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the uh, the order of it here. I do like the the reissue album cover. I think it looks cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that's really great. It's it's more fun. It's more. Uh, I don't know. The, the the I have mixed feelings about it, but it was a re, you know it was a reissue, so I was all for uh, Chris from Sounds Rad doing whatever his vision of it was. Yeah. But the Mopes, the, the, what I really love about the old Mopes record cover is that it just looks gritty, like a, like a cowboy record. Yeah, you totally. know, It just it's, looks. Yeah. I like the the logo better. Yeah, I told a story on Facebook the other day about how when I was with Even in Blackouts, we were touring and we were in uh, Montana, and in a truck, a really teeny truck stop, I found a, a CD section that had like Dolly Parton and. Willie Nelson on this end end rack, and there was the Mopes right there. Really, <laughs> there was no other. There was no other rock bands. There was no other punk bands. It was just the Mopes and all these country bands. Wow. So it was like, I almost bought it, but I was like, oh, I'm going to leave it here to see who picks this up. Yeah. Um. But they must have just saw it in a catalog or something and saw that it was like Cowboys on the back of it. Yeah. So they just assumed it was like. Uh... What some trucker wants to pick up for the road or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So you may have made someone really happy someday, or they were like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Hopefully, on the happy side. And though. then maybe they give it to their kid, and then the kid discovers punk. That's yeah, that's a story I like to tell myself. Yeah, ten years later, we got a brand new <laughs> band that's gonna rule the world, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's happened before. Yeah, it could happen again. <laughs> yeah, that kid. That, that would. That would be a great story, though. How'd you discover uh, punk rock? Well, my dad bought a CD at a truck stop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he thought it was country. But... He thought about throwing it out the window, but he decided to save it for me, and I loved it. The next thing you know, I got myself a guitar and a DJ speaker, and I'm on my way to stardom. <laughs> All right, next up is uh, "Glad You're Gone." Another hit, man. Another yeah. hit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That that was one uh, was also half written in the uh, in the studio. I'm not. I, I don't remember actually anything about it except that we wrote uh, part of the studio. Oh, you know what I didn't say about? It? I don't know how to say goodbye. Is actually I think B Face wasn't in the studio that day. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mass actually did the 
bass part on that song. I think he told us that when he was on too. Yeah. 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 He did two of them. I don't remember what the other one was, but I'm sorry. The backtrack. Glad you're gone. Is is uh you know we were bringing in that into the mopes that's I don't even know what it's called where you play the bar chord and you put your pinky down to do that sort of bluesy yeah like the Chuck Berry thing yeah yeah and that that the Glad You're Gone has that in it uh, so yeah. it's sort of the driving force of that song it's in Baby Doll a little bit too right yeah 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 the Baby Doll does I do the I do it in the Baby Doll and in Glad You're Gone uh, and it has this sort of upstroke. Which, I don't know there's a lot of stuff that was new to me then because I you know I learned to play guitar by being in a band, so there's an upstroke sort of change between chords and Glad You're Gone that I really enjoy, and I I can't sing while doing it so. <laughs> <laughs> um, the world don't revolve around you. Yeah, all I you know this one and my heart won't bleed for you, are the two I get confused all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I still even thinking about it. I don't know if I got the one right. They're both like really strong songs on the record, but for some reason in my head, I don't know whether we recorded them around the same time, you know, on the same day or the same, you know, right back to back. But something about the two, I just get uh, confused on which one is which. <laughs> That's one of the hits I'd say too, man. Yeah. 
What do you guys? What do you guys have to say about it? I'm interested. In what do you guys have to say about that one? Uh, <laughs> I love it, man. The thing about that Mopes record to me is, you could put it on right now. It sounds absolutely as fresh as it did, you know, over 20 years ago. Yeah. What year was that? Like, was this 2099? I can't remember. But it's at least uh, 20 years. Right? Yeah. 99, yeah. So over 20 years ago. And I mean, it sounds as fresh as the day <laughs> it came out. You know what I mean? It's fucking great, man. It's one of those records that will live on, I think. I mean, it's already been 20 years, and it's it's become a classic. Mm. I mean, to me, yes. those songs, are, I'm like tied to lots of breakups and all types of shit in my life to those songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's... By far one of my favorite records I've I've played on. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, uh, but it it's way up there. I and I, I agree with you. I think it's one of the, you know, a lot of you know what's what's almost tragic about a lot of the early Weasel songs is that it was imitated so much that if someone who doesn't know Weasel goes back and listen to it, it they they make too many references to bands that came after. Oh. Um, whereas I think Mopes didn't really worry about being revolutionary or new or anything like that we just did these solid songs and i think that's why it's timeless to me is because it doesn't matter if you reference it to something else because that's kind of what you're expected to do with the mopes yeah uh, so they just sort of hold up as so strong songs yes mopes kind of have their own sound you know it's hard to you know it's vapid so you can just say well it sounds like a vapid song but they, they do have a sound that definitely I, you know, you, you can't exclude the Mopes from... Right. The Mopes have their own sonic imprint because you have Jughead and B-Face mixing with Vapid. So rad. Yeah. You know, that's why it doesn't sound like the Methadones or, you know, Riverdales or whatever. Yep. And while the Mopes had a familiar sound, it was still a whole new vibe and a whole kind of new thing. And it was very exciting and cool. Yeah. And, you know, not just the sound of the record, but the way putting an instrumental on a record affects your mindset is I think underappreciated. Uh, like sometimes we were like, oh, should we do another instrumental? And and I'm always like, yeah, even if we don't think it's going to be the strongest song, it sets a mood and, uh, and it affects the other songs. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's almost like taking the record and breaking it into acts like you would in the theater. Yeah. So yeah. you have these little breaks between each act. It's like a yeah. quick little refresher. Now we're back with another round of you know, hits. That's pretty cool. I like the idea of it. All right, next up is the, uh, I always thought of this as kind of like a country western surf song, 1850. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what's, well, this is another one that's, I think is, the story behind it is almost even better than the song. I think this is one of the more, the stronger of the instrumental ones. Uh, it's really, and it's, and it's the one that B-Face keeps forgetting, because it does a kind of a, a I think, a, is it, does it change the, What's the word I'm looking for now? It changes key within the song, and it kind of always screws up B-Face, and me too, when we relearn it, whenever we do a gig every decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think when we started the the whole, uh, my birthday, Jughead's birthday, we we started with that song. So um, the st- there's not much of a story behind it, except that it was one of those that me and Vapid were just toying with in my living room. And... Um, it's none of those. It's a concept one where it would just cracked us up to no to no end because it has a cowboy feel. But this one, we were joking about what does it sound like, and we were like, oh, it sounds like the gold rush and the 49ers, you know, going out west, which is also another western thing besides cowboys. Totally. 
But then we were like, what about what about those guys that came like a year later that <laughs> were like out of the loop? Yeah. And then they're trying to find gold, but it's like a year later. So, <laughs> so that's why it's 1850. <laughs> yeah. So 1850 <laughs> was the name of the song. It's because uh, the. <laughs> I always wondered about that. Now we know. That's yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah. So they came. They came late to the the gold party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's no gold left in them there hills. It's already all been <laughs> panned out, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, that's great. <laughs> I never knew that. That's really cool. So what about Tell Me, then? Tell Me, uh, the only I, thing I have to say about that is is in, in the playing of it is another one that uh, me and B-Face get confused. Even Vapid <laughs> does, too, because it's basically... Very similar to Baby Doll, but in a different place, and so we're constantly getting confused between those two on the chord progressions whenever we do those live. Yeah. <laughs> and that uh, even on this on these notes on Discogs, it says that uh, B Face did the solo. So that's another one of those where I was like, "What? This guy can do everything." Yes. <laughs> and he's so like mild mannered and you know laid back. He's such a underrated, talented person. Yeah, I mean, you gotta love B-Face, dude. The guy rules. I always request that this one is in the set list, because I really like this song, even though I always forget how to play it. <laughs> if you guys played more than every, every decade, it'd be a lot easier to remember, I bet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. And we'd probably get tired of the songs, and Vapid would write some new ones. So. Oh, man, that'd be the shit. <laughs> so how, how many shows have the most played? Six? Seven? I. It's probably up. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly, but... Uh, <laughs> It's been it's years between each one, you know. We did the uh, Lookout Freak Out. We did the the original record release for the Accident Waiting to Happen with the Lillingtons in Chicago. We did what two of the subordinate festivals in subordinate festivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did the Mo- the Jugheads bass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's about six. It's like six shows, yeah. six or seven. I feel lucky to have caught one of them, man. Hell yeah, that's a great yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, it's chances are this one that was going to happen in Italy is going to be canceled, which sucks. But yeah, yeah. Dude. that's life now. So uh, sad but true. All right, not a word. Not a word was uh, something that Vapid brought to me. That that strumming part that he does at the beginning that I really liked. And I told him it sounded like a Velvet Underground song, and that he should go back and listen to them because I don't think he had known who they were then. And then he came back and had this song uh, completely finished. Wow. Um, I really love it. I think it's the one that probably doesn't fit on the record as much, but that's uh, why we'll put it near the end. I really love how it fits in, but I could see how someone might think it's, you know, strays from the pack. Yeah, it definitely strays, but yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Oh, that, that's the other one that Mass is, uh, that's, it's in these notes it says that's the other one that Mass plays bass on, so no. I don't know how to say goodbye and not a word. Yeah. Mass, great bass player. Yep, yep he is. Uh, last up is Recoil. Yeah, and uh, now I'm wondering if that's the one I'm getting confused with, 1850. <laughs> uh, you know, well, here it is. Let me see. <laughs> oh it says this track is not available in japan instead it's playing me some rap song oh no <laughs> damn check it can't even get his own music in japan what the hell 
Something about that seems a little fucked up. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, once again, I could speak to the titles of both of these, but as to which one was the one that was we we started the, my birthday shows on, I can't remember if it was Recoil or 1850. Um, I get the Recoil mixed up myself, so. but I could be yeah, wrong. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I th- did you say Recoil? You thought it was Recoil? I think it was 1850. Yeah. I yeah probably the Recoil uh, was just. Um, I was just Fappet is a great guitar player, so he was he was just toying around, fooling around, and um, we basically just wanted a uh, a song that fit into the cowboy theme again without hitting it over the head. So we were talking about a shootout and how there's that you know the recoil of the gun after you shoot. So we just decided to name it uh, Recoil. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I like the idea that it was like a. It, it was like the song 1850. So it was kind of like, you know, like a retelling of that. So the idea of RE like recoil made sense in terms of linking the instrumentals together too. Gotcha. Since we've finished up that record, I have a question that's completely off the subject. Well, there's circle K on that one, right? I'm sorry. Isn't oh, yeah. there? On the reissue. On yeah. Reissue, that's right. Yeah. So I'm going to say that's how, that's how we did it on the album, which I was a bit contentious with even with me and how to fit them in. So we put them, if you're listening to it as a vinyl, they are the last tracks on side A and B and B, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because we didn't want them to interrupt the album, but we didn't want them both thrown on the end of side B. If, I think I'm right there. Hmm. Um, that's cool. I don't have the reissue, so I don't know. Yeah, any way it goes, we were very unhappy with how to stick two new songs onto that record, but with a re-release, we wanted it to be different. Yeah, a little bonus material. And we wanted people to buy it again, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Mopes never makes money, so we at least want our company to make money back, so. Gotcha. <laughs> so Circle K was the one that <laughs> uh, one. was very, yeah, Riverdale's reminiscent. Yeah, I think he even did it with the Riverdale's, didn't he? I, don't think I think so. they recorded it, but they didn't release it either. I think he has, like, Vapid has, like, two recordings of that song. Well, and uh, just when I approached him about doing a re-release, we asked Mass, like, well, did we not put any songs on that record? And he came back to us with Getaway and uh, Circle K.
that's such a great song. Like, how did how did how does that get left off a record? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't even remember why. I think it. I think just we didn't. I don't know. It was the Mopes fashion. We were just like, eh, it doesn't really fit into how we wanted to feel, so we just dropped it off, even if it was a good song. I still don't think it fits into that accident waiting to happen uh, feel. But it, I, it is true. It is a great song. I always think of Seven Eleven by the Ramones when I hear it. So, yeah, I mean that's that's it. You know, Vapid is you know inspired by all different genres, and of course the Ramones. So yeah, right. So, um, you want to do this little trivia thing I got, guys? Yeah, but let me ask this question I, real quick. I hate, sure. I hate trivia, but I'm more than willing to do it. But let's hear that question first. All right. Well, this is just a little quick one. But I've always been curious, like, on Myths and Imaginary Magicians, what led you to cover that Only You song? Because I love the way you did it. I mean, you, it doesn't sound anything like the original. It's like you took a good song and turned it into this great, new, fresh-sounding song. I'm just kind of curious if that was like something Liz brought to the table or if that was your idea. Like, was that you or what? Yeah. Yeah. The first record is pretty, you know, most, well, all of them are my conceptions and then other people write on it. But uh, that was just fit into the theme of, of, uh, of being an acoustic band. I, I was trying to play up that idea that I was sort of an electric musician that was trying to learn how to play acoustic. So and I was I've always been a big Yaz fan or Yazoo fan however you want to say it right. and I think his writing is very I mean the melodic of his dance music I think his name is Patrick Patrick I always forget his name but he's in he was in Depeche Mode and also Erasure um, his writing is very pop punky in in its uh, construction so I was trying to play up that element of it and then I love the idea of turning a song that was completely synthesizer into a song that was completely acoustic. So yeah. that was the idea. That's great. And Liz is a great singer. Yes, she is. And uh, the the woman in that band, I can't think of her name right now, is an amazing singer too. So I was like, oh, it's a nice combination. Yeah, it turned out great.
one other question about that record is the 27 in the 27 seconds of flame have anything to do with that whole 27 shit <laughs> with the Riverdales and everything. You know, what's funny is I, I, I often think I'm a much more of a subtle writer than I actually think I am because I thought that was pretty obvious that that was about uh, me and Ben sort of uh, splitting ways, but everyone thought it was a, a like a romantic song. And I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Flame, you know, passion. <laughs> yeah. But it was really just, uh, uh, yeah, it was a reference to him and I, okay. uh, like the, the, the many years together and then us sort of parting ways by then. Gotcha. So our twenty-seven seconds of flame was like you know how they say that you're you're what is it fifteen, was it fifteen minutes yeah, minutes, some, 15 well, five minutes, minutes of fa- whatever that is, whatever that was kind of my play on that that you know Weasel had its yeah its twenty-seven seconds of fame. You know. Right on. There's all these people trying to figure out this twenty-seven thing since Ben won't ever like give the real <laughs> the scoop on what that's yeah. all about become like this you know, urban this, legend and shit the reality <laughs> is never as the reality is never as interesting as the, the stories that are told about it in in that respect sometimes reality is is weirder than you can make up but in that case it's just not as interesting i think nate has <laughs> traced it back to a queer song with the 27 ducks i think that's our yeah but ben wrote that song though exactly well, yeah. you know, it's actually the 27 first shows up in uh, on our first record, 27 yep. Hippies in a, in a Tree. Damn, I hadn't even um, considered that. Yeah. Hmm. If you want to talk about that, that that is, it's just because it's rhythmically a good number. 27, 27, 27. You know, it has a nice, yeah. easy yeah. feel to it. Mm, and uh, 27 is also, it's also Weird Al's number too. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, in the, in the original... <laughs> Screeching Weasel documentary, we actually had an interview with him about his 27 ring, because he has a ring that says 27. Really? Yeah. So, so, so it started, yeah, it started a... with, it started with Weasel and then became the, like, the main driving force for the logo for Riverdale's. Ben's a yeah. weird Al wannabe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think well, he knew that he had- Weird Al had a 27 thing back then. Uh, Ed Webb, who was, worked at Panic Button with us, uh, was actually friends with the the woman who ran the fan club for Weird Al. And he had kept, come to me and said, hey, did you know that he has a 27 obsession too? And I was like, no, let's get him. So we got him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So now I want to be naked is starting to make more sense. Maybe Ben was influenced by Weird Al and wanted to do something with Sedated. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, who knows? Maybe. The shit's getting <laughs> deeper and deeper, man. We're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> if someone, you know, is uh, Facebook savvy, if they want to go into the deep cuts of my things that I write on my timeline about the band, there's there's a post, I think, where I talk about uh, Mike Durnt and his weasel shirt, where me and Portia talk about the 27, and the actual truths are revealed in that chain of, Comments. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> hmm. This is going to be solved in the coming days. <laughs> cool. Yes. <laughs> That's great. All right. Carefully, but there's other things we're gonna risk instead. 
Dan Vapid from Dan Vapid and Cheats, and you're listening to The Dummy Room. So we're both going to look like idiots in Screeching Weasel trivia. Well, I don't think, I think Jughead's going to do fine because he already answered one of them. Okay. One of them was, uh, what song does 27 first appear? Screeching Weasel song, yes. that is. Hardcore Hippie. Yeah, Hardcore it's, Hippie, yeah. Yep. yeah. So, so, the, so, the, so the game is, these, aren't, uh, these are kind of weird questions, Jughead. They are, um, they're all based on, uh, I only did the albums that you played on, and just the uh-huh. albums. And it's all on the lyrics. Oh Jesus! And okay. some of them, well, some of them are kind of silly. It's not, you'll see. But um, and, and if I if I refer to Ben, um, even if maybe he didn't write the lyrics for that, I'm just saying Ben because he sang them. So, um, yeah. I I I think you'll do fine. There are some tough ones though. I will. Yeah. Should we do it? So this, is this trivia just with me, or is it? Am I doing with, with both somebody? you guys? I guess so. It's oh, okay. You and I, and Nate's going to be the host. Yeah. Oh, so we're just trying to figure it out if we. Yeah. So okay. I'll ask Great. Jughead a question, and then Jody, and if if you can't get uh, it, Jughead, then he can steal. But he's I not going to be. This is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath, right. is it? Let's do it. All right. First up, Jughead. Uh, who is the only NFL quarterback mentioned in a Screeching Weasel song? <laughs> I don't even remember. And and just so I might these might not all be correct, but I'm pretty sure he's the only NFL quarterback mentioned. I I I I don't even know. I think it's on an anthem if I'm not mistaken. I could even be mistaken there. But. Um it's in uh it's on it's in uh This Ain't Hawaii. The song This Ain't Hawaii. Oh, This Ain't Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Don't remember. This is the way it's going to go, guys. I don't know anything about uh, our lyrics, so. <laughs> do you do you know Jody? Mm, well, I wouldn't have, but now I'm running those lyrics in my head. If you didn't give us the hint, <laughs> uh, is it uh, uh, fucking uh, fucking Jim McMahon, dude? Right? Jim McMahon. Yep. <laughs> you can't give out hints, yeah. dude. Well, I okay. asked. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, Jody. <laughs> What does Ben want to do with Madonna? He wants to, um... Let's see. <laughs> Not that. What does he actually say in the song? What what he wants to do with Madonna? Uh, you talking about the Stupid Over You song? I am. God, what does he want yeah. to do with Madonna? Yeah. Uh, he's in love. It doesn't make too much sense. <laughs> 
he wants to hang out with her? Incorrect. God damn it. Jughead. Isn't it, isn't it something like uh, jello wrestling or mud wrestling or something like that? You're close. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. It's, it's midget wrestling. Midget wrestling. That's what it was. Because yep. it's actually more of a reference to uh, the other woman he talks about in that song. Sandra um, Bernhardt. Sandra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She used to, I think she actually did like wrestle midgets or something. So. <laughs> cool. Um, so these are pretty right. tough, dude. Back to, this This is easy. This is Jughead's. How many cigarettes has Ben smoked? <laughs> I can't even, I know the song and I've, I've done we it so many times. talking about it. <laughs> uh, this is every night, right? Sweet. Yep, yep. My God, how many? Billion? Got it. Billion. <laughs> okay, good. Wow, I should know that. I, I do that cover that song enough. Uh, Jody, what time? All right, what time did Cindy? Um, what time did she used to call Ben at? Stop calling it. Oh wait, is it three thirty or four thirty? I'm gonna say three thirty. Three thirty. Yeah, yeah. How'd you get? That's. Okay. I just. I don't know. I'm, I'm doubting myself. That is a All good right. one. I never would have got that. Uh, Jughead, what song is Panic Button mentioned in? Damn. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's on Television City Dream, right? Is it? No. I think no. No. Oh my God. Oh no! It's in. Um, it's on Anthem New Tomorrow, the the robot song, right? Uh, no, no, <laughs> it's on I Anthem. Give I'll give you that. Yeah, it is on Anthem. I knew. Yeah, I knew that because that's when we actually got the name, the idea for it being the name of the record company. But I don't remember the song. Jody, do you have a guess, Jody? Is it the actual the song called for New Tomorrow? No. Damn. No, it's, it's just it's a uh, trance. Oh, trance. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I heard the song. I just couldn't remember the. Yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That one was geared just for you. Hoping you would know it. Um, Jody, what is the only screeching weasel song to reference the Ramones? I'm sorry, Ramones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it a high school psychopath? Yeah, you got it. It's a vapid song, yeah. Is that the only one? That's all I found. Really? Of course. You mean it actually says the Ramones? Where he says the Ramones, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Jughead, what does Sunday always feel like? <laughs> what is what does <laughs> Sunday always feel? Um This is kind of a tough one. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I mean especially no, I don't know. I don't know. Jody? Uh, is it something about uh, the I hate your guts on Sunday or something? It's in that song? It's in that song, yep. Fuck. Ooh. It feels like uh, every every other day of the week or something like that? No. Damn. Correct answer is funeral. Uh, yeah. So it always feels like a funeral. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, you're right. Damn. All right. I got an easy one for you, Jody. In Crying in My Beer, why did the TV show get canceled? That's supposed to be an easy one. I say easy. I don't know, dude. I can't think of it. Steal it, Jughead. Yeah, go ahead for the steal, Jughead. I can't. I can't. 
You know, without melody, it's it's really hard to come up with Ben's oh, lyrics. Okay, yeah, I don't have it. Yeah. When you're listening to it, it's like you know every word, but just without the melody, it's fucking impossible. Because he has a I'm lot not there to with say. That. I, 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 oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, declining viewership, recycled plots, and bad, bad acting. Oh. Fuck. Yeah, bad acting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, man. This is hard. Okay, I got. That one reminds me of. Uh, what, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just going to interrupt by saying one of my favorite records of all time is this Best of Alice Cooper record, and when it's playing, I could sing all the lyrics to it, like exact. But then when I when I if I'm just trying to sing it on my own with acapella, I can't. Yeah. I can't even get through a like a <laughs> one line. Talking about that like brown <laughs> classic Best of Alice Cooper record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I love that record. Yeah, so much. I love that song that's about Morrison about like a. Uh, the fuck is that song called desperado i think oh yeah, this well, this, yeah desperado which yeah it's great a song. nate's a morrison hater but i i like i like reading about fucking morrison <laughs> dude was crazy i'm uh i'm the same way with lyrics jughead i can't yeah. if i'm listening i can get it we did a mangy's thing where we jody read off mangy's lyrics just talked them out and yeah. i was i mean i've listened to those that song a thousand times and it was a pain in the ass to guess the song. <laughs> that's, that's pretty great talking out there lyrics. That's fun. Yeah. I've always had a weird relationship with lyrics in general. Like even my favorite bands, there's only two out of all bands that I listen to that I really religiously listen to. And it's Cat Stevens and Peter Gabriel. And those are the only two musicians I listen to lyrics. Even with like working with Ben, he would want to show them to me. And I was like, I'm not really that interested. I know what they're about because you and I talk through all this shit all the time. And whenever you and I talk about something, it ends up in a song the next day. So right. uh, I trust you with it. So I, I'm, I'm the least uh, knowledgeable about our own lyrics, I would imagine, of Weasel. Well, you'll get the next one. What song okay. is Jughead mentioned? You mean you mean as in like uh, uh, Joni uh, and Johnny? No, I mean as in Vermin Jug. Jughead. Yeah, I'm assuming he means Vermin and Jughead. <laughs> oh, is that in uh is that on the punk house? That's on the punk house circuit. Is it punk house? Um uh, no. <laughs> no. No. Jody, can you steal it? Uh, I can't. I don't know that one. Teenage slumber party. Damn it, dude. Ah, Teenage Slumber Party. That's that's uh, that's not even on that record. Damn. Yeah, I wrote that solo. Creeping Um, downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The funny thing is that the 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 Joni Loves Johnny is actually a reference to me because he was trying to start a rumor that I was dating uh, Joni from Joni and Chachi from their show. Here's an easy one, Jody. Okay, I need an where easy did, one. He keeps, saying, he keeps saying that. I know. Well, this like... one has to be. Where <laughs> did Kathy run away from? Uh, mental hospital. You got it. That yeah. one was easier. Yes. All right. I got that one too. All right, Chughead. Sorry about this one. Might be tough. This is a two-part question. Uh, first part is, how much are the burritos at the Seven Eleven? No idea. Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine. Yes. So that must be huge ass burritos. That's expensive um, ass burrito, even by today's standards. The second part of that question is, how much do the cops have to pay for coffee? My God, what are, is this the song Seven Eleven? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. This is all in the lyrics. 
Jeez, I could tell you so much more trivia about that song, but I don't know about the lyrics. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, free. Free coffee for the cops. Oh, oh that's true. We used to work. Um, I worked at the, uh, the Ramsar Shopping Mall, and Ben worked at his all-night uh, gas station in Prospect Heights. And we would often meet uh, at his, you know, I'd finish my work at the uh, GCC Cinema, and then I'd meet him at the gas station, and we'd walk over to that 7-Eleven all the time. And uh, I just remember that. And my, there was another friend, a mutual friend that we had that would prank the, the guy that worked at the 7-Eleven all the time. Like one time he called up and said that he, he was, won this, you know, won this, I don't know, I don't know, some money that or something in the mail. And then he had to go out and stand in the garbage can in front of the 7-Eleven. And he did it. <laughs> uh, some people are too gullible. Um, but yeah, that was that 7-Eleven is actually on the front cover of that. That's that exact 7-Eleven is on the cover of that first record too. What's up with the cool. cow, the punk rock cow? How did that come <laughs> into that, that art? Well, that was our original logo. Um, it was from the, when you know Ben, one of the early, earlier, the earliest songs. I think we were even on like garage sale then. He started. He brought in the song "Cows," and oh, okay. I thought it would be really funny. And then when we, when we decided the band was going to be Screeching Weasel, I thought it'd be really funny to be Screeching Weasel, but to have a, to have a, like a cow, cow as a logo. <laughs> so I had I had Paul, who had actually ended up doing the Weasel logo. I had him design the the original logo, which was the moshing cow. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right so i was happy that he got designed both our logos and you know the one that became insanely popular and then the more referential one in the beginning yeah cool uh i got another easy one for you jody cool give me all the easy ones give jughead okay. all the tough ones um <laughs> who should do the thinking who should do the thinking yeah uh leave the thinking to your boss you got it. Ooh. All right. What is that from? That's on... Uh, slogans. Yeah, slogans. See, and that's one of my favorite songs of all time, too. Right I can't wrong. even get those. Those are hard lyrics to sing. I, I actually tried to... A couple people have wanted to cover that <laughs> with me, and I said, I, I love playing it, but no one can ever sing it right. No. All right, Jughead. Here's an easy one for you. Name five girls in Weasel songs. Eighty-five. <laughs> uh, Susie. All right, Susie's getting married. Right. Yeah. I'll take that. Um, Kamala. Yep. Uh, well, Kathy, we already mentioned that. Yep. Right. Then there's Joni. True. And Jeannie. Got it. My sister got very, very upset about that because it was named after my sister, but she doesn't have a problem with her uterus. So she was always <laughs> criticizing Ben about that. It's like, why do you write a song, finally write a song with my name in it? And it's about my uterus. <laughs> Nate's mom shares a, a name with your sister then. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jody, name five more girls. Five more. Mary, there was Janelle, there was a. Uh, fuck. Let's see here. Who am I missing? You guys are, you guys are missing the, the obvious one. Selena. 
That's a great one. Is that the obvious one? Nope. Damn, what's the obvious no, one? The one that the song's named after on uh, My Brain Hurts, right? Why can't I think of it? <laughs> oh, Cindy's on Method. That's the one. Yeah, Cindy. Yeah. Okay, there's an even more obvious and one. And Shirley. That. Shirley's on yeah. Methadone. Does that count? You miss Veronica. Oh, fuck Veronica, yeah. That's the easy Veronica. one. All right, yes. I got a tough one for you, Jughead. I didn't think oh. it was going to be this tough, but now that I'm reading it back. All right. Yeah. Well, what... I can come up with a story about it, even if I can't get it right. There you go. I bet you there is a good story <laughs> behind this one. What kind of vehicles does Ben own? Old song. I know his actual vehicle. That <laughs> <laughs> counts. I, I do not know. I mean, he owned a Chevy Malibu, so that's, uh, that's reality. I'll, I'm just going to give it to you, and maybe there's a story behind it. But um, he says in used cars that he had a school bus and his 71 olds. Oh. Um, well, used cars was, I wrote music for that one and he wrote the lyrics and we had just, we had just, we were trying to buy a van and we were having a horrible time and we went to this, uh, one junkyard and this guy was trying to sell us uh, a bus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, we, I don't know how we got the, the other car. I have no idea, but it probably saw that at the junkyard too. Hmm. We were also a big fan of the movie used cars too. Yeah. Uh, Kurt. Any any Kurt Russell movie back then we you we used to watch it, you know all the time. Jody, yeah. what invades, what invades Ben's dreams? Invades <laughs> his dreams. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. We'll pass that one off to Jughead. Can you steal no, it, Jughead? I no, I can't. It is from uh, I believe in UFOs. It's Men from Space. Men from space, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jughead, yep. <laughs> I got an easy one for you. Yeah. Who is always walking into trees? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I tell you, I'm really bad at lyrics. I can't even I even know the reference you're making, and I still can't hear it in my head. I think I know this one. What you got, Jody? Is it Dingbat? Dingbat. Okay, I didn't know if you dingbat. were. If that's a, a like a who and, uh, who Dingbat did. You know what I mean? Dingbat is based. Dingbat is based on uh, Vince's girlfriend at the time, who was a really good friend of all of us, Anne. And we used to call her Instapunk because when she would go to shows, she would like spike her hair up like she had a mohawk, but it was just her regular <laughs> hair. So, and we used to call her Dingbat uh, lovingly. Like we actually really liked her a lot more than Vince. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jody, uh, what kind of girl was in the douche commercial? What kind of girl was in the douche commercial? Yeah. I have no fucking idea. Jughead, do you know it? No idea. Uh, the Tasty Girl. What song is that on? I'm Not in Love. I don't I'm remember that part. Love, love, love. <laughs> I can just picture Vapids when he was recording that song. He was hilarious. There was another time where he was hilarious to watch in the vocal booth because he sort of put on this, it's kind of like a robot line, the way he sings it. So I always, his face looked like he was, he just turned into like this metallic <laughs> robot. Love, love. <laughs> the Tin Man. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jughead. Um, true or false? Led oh. Zeppelin, U2, and R.E.M. are all mentioned in Weasel songs. False? It's true. I can't... When is U2... Yeah, I was going to say, what U2? Where's that U2, been? let me... Just a second here. I did record I some of this. I did write... Yeah, yeah no. Um, question. R.E.M. is from uh, Clean Cut Asshole. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. And uh, you two is in Leave Me Alone. Hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, Leave Me Alone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's going deep deep. cut. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So this one was a fun one. We did it. We did a queers one too, um, Jughead, and it was pretty much the same thing, but it 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 was a little more juvenile, you know. (laughs) Yeah. We're not done yet. We'll get there. Um. Well, as long as it leads to other conversations, I don't mind these trivia yeah. things because I'm yeah. always horrible at it, but I like talking about stories. Um, Jody, how many songs have a one, two, three, four in them? <laughs> oh, man. Just the one, two, three, four? Are you counting when yep. it also goes to like eight or whatever? Just uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, not as many as some other bands, I think. So I'll say uh, I'm gonna just guess something like full discography, probably like mm, let's go with like 16 times. Uh, wrong. Wow, I I I'm thinking like one. <laughs> there is actually <laughs> two. Only two. Ah, because yep. one of them is Panic. One of them is actually Panic in the background in the uh, pause of a song. I forgot what song. Yep. Uh, well, uh, there's. Yeah. It's um. I actually wrote these down because I knew I wouldn't remember. Uh, Veronica hates me. Yeah. Yeah. Veronica and, hates me. And yeah, Cindy's yeah. on methadone. Yeah. Yeah. So the Joni loves Johnny one doesn't count because it goes past four. I didn't count it because of that. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right, Jughead. There's. See, I knew there's... it would be low because it wasn't. It wasn't really our style to be to to do like count offs and stuff like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, threw out a guess. <laughs> I thought. I thought it might even be more. Just I don't know. Um, I, I gotta fill in the blank for you, Jughead. So, uh, Smilers never blank and Frowners never blank. If it's you are my sunshine, which was the outtakes from Emo. Is that what you're talking about? That song? Uh, just sunshine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the original. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. sunshine. That's right, 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 right. Which is from the Flintstones. Uh, what? Uh, what are the what's the line again that you're looking for? I might be able to get this because I know the Flintstones song. Smilers never blank and frowners never blank. Frowners never win, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Smilers never lose and frowners never win. Got it. Boom. See, I only know that because of Flintstones, not because of <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> the, the Weasel song. <laughs> it was like pebbles, right? Yeah, it was actually uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam started a band. Yeah. And they recorded that song. Mick Jade Stone and the Rolling Boulders. It's one of the best created uh, <laughs> parody names I think I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, they don't do that on TV like these days like they did back then. Like every show back then basically has their version of a Beatles kind of band. You know what I mean? Or yeah, a yeah, garage yeah. band of some sort. You just don't see that yeah. these days. Jody. 
What Tom Cruise movie is mentioned in a Screeching Weasel song? Tom Cruise movie? Yep. Mm, I have no fucking idea, but I'll just guess. Like, Risky Business. Nope. Top Gun. No, I don't know. Uh, it's Top yeah, Gun. I was either gonna is say... it Top Gun? Oh, yeah, it's... yeah I was going to say Rain Man or Top Gun, so I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rain Man's so much better. <laughs> what's which what like what what does he say about top gun in what song it's in uh society well, what does it say i don't know i have to look it up no well, it's not that big of a deal <laughs> let's keep moving <laughs> don't worry don't worry i'll look um, it up later um okay uh this is this is going to be a guess one for you jughead according to the songs does ben wanna or not wanna more so basically, he says, I wanna or I don't wanna more often, which is it? Oh, wow. I, I, I don't wanna. It's actually wanna. Ben, ah. he, he's more positive than you're giving him credit for. Wow. Well, that's true. <laughs> There's a couple songs where he says, like, uh, like high ambitions. He, I want to live with Madonna. I want to lick. Oh, Oprah. he says it. He says it so many times in that song. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I only went off of different things that he wants to do. Yeah. So yeah. All right, um, Jody. This, so this will be the last one for each of you, and then there's a couple of uh, multiple, not multiple choice, but you guys will have to pick a number. Um, Jody, how many songs does the word or, or how many songs does Ben say "dummy" in? many songs yes uh, and these are just um what's the one about go fart in a puddle you dummy or whatever uh probably like <laughs> i'm gonna guess like two or four i'll say four you're gonna say four you're wrong damn want to take a guess jugged I was saying dummy, the word dummy, is that what you'd say? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, how many songs is it mentioned? Like, ooh, there's well there's like dummy up and right. uh, ooh, jeez. I'd say six. I counted two. 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 <laughs> two. Okay. Which one? Dummy up dummy and, up uh, and fat head. Fat head and dummy head, yep. That's it. I knew Unless I thought I missed those one, two, but, but I thought I was missing really? stuff. Really? Dummy, 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 dummy. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. That's a good question because I really would think he would have used that phrase more. Um, On a related well, note, dude, this kid that I know, we had him fart in a puddle just because of that song to see what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of made a little splash. That's I, I make a reference to that occasionally because my friend Spike, who I was in an improv group with, uh, he was asking about my band, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, we, we're actually like a social commentary type band, even though we don't get credit for it. And he goes, yeah, like farting in a puddle. That's pretty, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, pretty intellectual. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, well, you know, you have to be stupid sometimes, too. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> there's a humor in that, like, dumb side of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's South Park, you know. I mean, that's... Right, the most intelligent parodies out there, and they're you know they they allow themselves to get as stupid as possible. Right. I mean, the Ramones even did it. You know, yeah. they weren't as dumb as they let on. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the brilliance of it all. But anyways, so what do you got? Nate? All right. Well, so I don't have any money. Corporations raising kids on Top Gun crap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's the line. <laughs> I would have never guessed that in a million years. Uh, me either. Or a billion years. Yeah. 
All right, so this this is going to be a question for both of you guys, and you have to guess the uh, correct number. Closest person wins. Okay. Um, you can go over just whoever's closest. How many songs does Ben say fuck in? Any variation of fuck. <laughs> Fucker, motherfucker, fuck. Yeah. Oh, How did you even figure that out? That's what I want to know. I, I did a lot of screeching <laughs> weasel listening the last couple weeks here. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, There's got to be... How many songs you're looking for? Yeah. Not how many, oh, how many songs? Okay. Yeah, not how many times. I didn't. Not we like did that, that with the queers. <laughs> I counted every time Joe said "fuck" in the catalog. Oh, okay. Wow, that's what I was. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no, like, this is just. It was like in yeah. the thousands, right? It was. It was like 500 or something. I don't remember what it was, but no, this is just songs because, like, the song like "I Want to Fuck." I right. mean, I'm not. Yeah, so the titles is probably not as. I would think it's probably not as many then. I'm going to, I don't even know. I would say three. I'm going to say like nine, nine songs. Nine songs that Ben says fucking? It's 41. Oh, in? Yeah. Oh, in. I thought you said in the title. Oh, Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. In the song itself. Oh, okay. Well, I screwed that one up. (laughs) So it's how many then? 41. 41. All right, so there's one more okay, of those. Okay, so I got questions. you. So there's 41 songs that have the word fuck in it, but you didn't count how many times someone said fuck in a song. Right? Yes, yeah, correct. Like you did with the queers. Okay, sorry, yeah. I got confused. With okay, so the next one is how many songs um, is the word TV in? As I was going through this looking for certain things, I noticed that TV pops up here and there. Not in the yeah. title, just in the song. Yeah, just in the song, right. Yep. I think there's more TVs than Fox, so I'm going to say like 50, 53. Really? Okay. I'm going to say 32. Uh, it's actually 18. Damn. I thought 18 so was a lot. I really thought 18 was a lot to say TV in. <laughs> well, you uh, said that's, that's our whole impetus in the, back in the early days. Right. Screeching. Yeah. And that, and that, that TV thing... Uh, it was throughout the whole catalog, by the way. Yeah. You know, I guess you can you can mix up like TV references with the word TV, so that's probably what well, we were both probably thinking. Yeah, because I'm in general, to think of Brady I mean, Bunch so and all this stuff. I mean, but the, but the actual word, yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, the actual word, yeah. I didn't throw yeah. in just um. No, okay. you were right. The question the question was right. I just was thinking that's it's more um, of a reference point. Right. Okay, so before we get to the last question for both of you, I actually missed two questions. So, Jody, this is a difficult question. This is a really hard one. I know you're going to get it wrong. Great. In the song, uh, She Got Electroshocked, yeah. how many different voltages are there? So he says, you know, a certain a voltage amount, and he says it, um, I will give you how many there are if you can guess. Actually, just tell me how many there are. Now, what are you asking for? <laughs> it's kind of hard to question. So, in the song "She Got Electric Electroshocked," Ben mentions something about a voltage, yeah. like yeah. 120 volts, whatever it is. But he has a certain He's different amount ones, of right? different, yeah, it's like a bunch of different ones. Yeah, increments of you know they're not exactly. So you're asking for how many different increments? Yeah, a voltage. The first one is a first one's fifty, right? Six. 
six is correct. <laughs> wow. Good job. Because there's two to each that. verse. You know what I mean? Two to yeah. each verse. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say four, like one per verse or something. <laughs> and I've got one rather fun one left for Jughead. Okay. Okay. Who is the only member of the Brady household not to be mentioned in a Screeching Weasel song? Wow, not mentioned. <laughs> I'm wondering whether it's like one of the dad, like the dad or the mom, maybe. I don't. It's not the dad. Oh, is he mentioned? Yeah. He's in bed uh, with is Alice. He mentioned? Oh, Alice is definitely mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. Ooh. I think it is Great. Carol, dude. Jan? Carol, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. It's Carol. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I could was the mom it. or dad? What, where, where's the dad mentioned in? in he's in Murder uh, in the Brady House. With... Like, he says Mike's oh, in bed with okay. Alice. He doesn't mention Alice, Carol yeah. in that one. Yeah, that's crazy. Nope. That's so bizarre. He even mentions Sam. Yeah. Sam the butcher, but. Selling yeah. dog chops at his meat shop. Well, another one of my favorite weasel songs is uh, Peter Peter Brady. That's another yeah, that's yeah. great you know, one. Great reference. Yeah. I always All right, love so those there's... references. Like you know, like a lot of other bands weren't putting Brady Bunch references in their songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. And we all love that shit. You know, even though you might not yeah. want to admit it, you guys did. So it was cool. I've, I've always been averse to the idea of uh, uh, guilty pleasures. I still talk about to the to this day. If you like something, you just yeah, you shouldn't be Should ashamed be of it. Just, it just becomes part of your character, you know. Exactly. I got one question left. Okay. Okay. Um, so we, we talk about weasel leads a lot on the show, Jughead. So mm-hmm. I define a weasel lead as um, any kind of melody in the song. Mostly, you you know what we're talking about guitar leads. Yeah, yeah. Not a yeah. guitar solo, but you know. So, mm-hmm. how many weasel leads are there in the uh, weasel catalog that you played oh, on? The, I went through it. So, this is, I, I'll give oh you God. whoever's closest, and I'll give myself a, you know, there's a, there was a couple that were iffy. They were like, I thought they were more than solos. You know, they kind of sounded more like the traditional uh, weasel yeah, lead. Yeah, like, like, like Dingbat is kind of like a weird... Because that is an extended sort of solo-y thing in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and I did count that dingbat one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. 42? <laughs> what do you say, Jody? I'd say it's way higher, man. I'd say it's got to be like at least 100 of them. Uh, the answer is 33. What? Oh, 30, oh how is that possible? I, you know what? I thought the same thing. I think they're in almost every song. They are. They absolutely are not in every song. <laughs> That's true. I, I was surprised. I started. I started listening to my brain hurts, and I was just going to say, well, there's there's twelve of them at least, you know, twelve <laughs> right. of them, and there's only uh, there's only four in that on that album. On what? My brain hurts. Yeah. No, there's got to so, be more, right? Nope. Nope. No, I think you're right. I mean, that's what I was thinking too. I mean, it was a big part of the band, but it wasn't like the driving force of it. It just, it just became like the known thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. I really went through and I was listening, and it was like, there's not nearly as many as I thought there were. Wow, 
That's a trip. But man, when you hear them though, Jughead, it's just like they're so uh, you know engraved into my head. Those leads that you can almost you know, there's only a couple that I hear that I'm like, I I, I screw up on. You know, like I I wouldn't know it if I just heard it out of context. You yeah. Know? But some of yeah. them you just I you know like a uh, guest list or something you know right. It's just you. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of that aspect uh, aspect of the band. And uh, sometimes I'm uh, wrongly given credit for a lot of those, and we split those between me and Vapid and uh, Ben all the time. So I only did like a third of them at least. But uh, um, but I yeah, I'm glad we sort of uh, that to me that's the kind of element we brought to the Ram- Ramones sort of style. Definitely, is we brought the melodic solo into there, and and it was basically the beginning. It was just I only thing I knew was the like this heavy metal scale that I learned from Randy Rhodes, and basically I, I think I taught at the Ben, and we would just just use that as the foundation for almost all the melodic solos. Yeah. So you can almost always find our solos in the same scale, like that same scale <laughs> that we learned way back. It's great. They're always just yeah. different enough, though. So look, maybe you yeah. can answer this question for us, Jughead. We were we had done a Vindictives episode a while back, and we were noticing that around the same time, the Vindictives had that same kind of thing happening. Like, who did it first? I, w- I would guess us. I don't know the real answer, but I would uh, <laughs> I would assume it was us, probably because Boogado, it was Joe loved that record, so and that's where it shows up with us, I think. I'm yeah. not mistaken. Like in yeah, uh, it sounds stupid over you. For I sure. think one of the first, yeah, the one of the first ones we wrote was uh, uh, Supermarket Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, th- I would say that Joe, I, if we were influenced, or we were probably influenced by the same thing because we were hearing it all over, like Judas Priest, you know, and more heavy metal bands, and Joe was big into that stuff too. So um, I, I would say we did it first. I would think. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Well, we were a band before Vindictives was. You know, Joe right. had uh, victims, victims of society before us, so I, we definitely did it first. Then, there you go. It's settled. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we always have these like lingering questions, and then it's always cool when we get the the answer finally. You know, it's cool. <laughs> I gotta ask. I don't really want to ask you, but I, I kind of feel like I, I I really have to. Um, do you have you? What do you think of? You know, post uh, Jughead Screeching Weasel. Um, to be do you honest, I don't. To any of I the don't. Newer stuff? No, not at all. I nope. I couldn't do it with the Riverdales either. Like I've never really listened to the Riverdales. Um, not that I don't appreciate Ben's singing. It's just and writing. I love his writing. I just uh, it's just bad memories for me. So okay. there, I was actually on tour with um, this band called Good for Nothing in. Uh, Japan here, they're big uh, Weasel fans, but they're actually bigger uh, Fat Records fans. So they they started playing one of his Ben's later records. I think it was one of the two, like right after me. There's uh, First World and uh, like Baby Fat. Oh, the, no, is the car, is Carnival Carnival? Yeah, yeah, Shot, yeah, yeah, Car- yeah, yeah. They they played that. They played that on the ride home. And I didn't have the heart to tell them that I wasn't on that. <laughs> so so that's the only time I've actually listened to it. And I thought it was really great. I mean, like, it was really, it was really powerful. Um, but I just don't get the, you know, I'm not in it. So I don't get the feeling that I got when I listened to the song that I took part in. Totally. So I don't really, 
I, I have no appreciation for it that I'm, it's hard for me to appreciate it. Right. So you haven't heard the new record then? We were no, curious no, whether you heard that yet. It's really fucking. No, I've read some. Uh, I've read some like reviews, and people seem to like it a lot. So I'm, I'm happy he got uh, angry enough again to write some good music. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish you guys could all just get it back together, man. Like the, you and Vapid Panic Ben, just do some shit. It'd be so cool. Yeah. It's weird I know to say, it's you know, unlikely, I, I, but still, I, even, I got myself convinced that that's the period of the band, but in reality, that was such a small time in the history of Weasel that of that combination of people in the band. Yeah, but the fact that shit. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I never say never to anything, but I don't think don't think anything will ever happen. But it's you know, I never say no to and. I love playing and I love the band so much that if, you know, if some things happen between me and Ben that were to mend some of those wounds, I would do it in a heartbeat. But oh, yeah. I don't think it'll happen. I mean, maybe you guys wait a little while and you go the Misfits route and you're playing fucking Madison Square Garden, <laughs> you know, in <laughs> 10 years from now. Yeah. For like big money. I love money. playing. So I, 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 any opportunity to play, I don't, you know, I'm sort of a, you know, a performing whore in that way. I'll just I'll play anytime. <laughs> awesome so do you ever uh do you see yourself maybe uh playing with the mangies again if they came over tour is that something you'd be interested in i, I would um i don't think they needed it like they did then it it, it seemed important like the, the for me to be within their band at that time and uh i've played with them since it's it's just more like a special pop-up for a song or two i don't think i would do a full tour and i don't think they would want that either I'd like to see it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, have, I have a weird thing about trying to relive memories, and I think I would try too hard to relive that tour. So I don't think I, don't think I would do it. Oh, I, 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 to be honest, I would not say no because I actually asked Massimo fairly recently if they were going to do stuff and if they can include me. So now I'm going to contradict <laughs> myself and say I would do it because I'm a you know I'm a performance whore. <laughs> So, um, what is the future of uh, even in blackouts? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it's it's one of my. I, to be honest, it's the band I am the most proud of, probably because it's my baby from beginning to end. You know, songwriting and the concepts. Yeah. Um, but it's always lost money. We've. I was just thinking about today how we've never actually broke even on anything. So it's always been difficult. Uh, um, but what I did, the the idea was to assemble a group of people that like loved each other outside of the band. And so we're always together in some way or another, like always hanging out. So it's, it's like the mopes in that way now where it's going to keep happening, but no one is ever going to be able to dedicate full time to it unless something magical happens. Like, you know, someone starts paying us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That always helps. Yeah. The last record though is, but the most by far in the punk scene was the most popular. Like people actually love uh, romantico. It was a
It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah it's on a great label. I mean, Stardom, that's a great label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a good relationship with Steph, uh, Stefan right now. So. Yeah. He's a great guy. No, yeah. yeah um, no, I thought the last record was really good. That's just kind of, I was wondering if, if we're going to have more or, or if we have to wait another um, 10 yeah, years, whatever it was. <laughs> we have an idea now that we're floating around uh, that me and uh, we wanted to do a cheap trick sort of thing where. Uh, uh, was black and white and in color i think it's called uh, yeah in color where me and the uh, yeah me and me and gub would write one side of the album and uh bice and uh our other guitarist john and liz would write the second side so we're we're talking about that right now that'd be cool kind of cool yeah yeah you guys definitely um you don't stick to you know you're not sticking to one uh one mold you know Every release is no, just a little bit have. different. You know, yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of my thing with that band because every record, the the challenge I did from the beginning was that I had to learn something about guitar on every <laughs> record. So they always have some sort of different influence, and the the Romantico is going back to the roots. It's probably the most simple record we've we've done, uh, musically simple, and that was kind of the idea. Of that one just it was more more about the emotion behind it and just letting it drive. You know, simple chords driving it more. Yeah. I think it's cool. I mean, who would have thought even in Black House would have put out a record just last year, you know, after all these years? 2000. The yeah. first record was like, what, 2001, 2002, something like that? Yeah, 2001. It was right after that I, you know, I came back from Europe from doing the, the House of Blues show and then went to Europe and wrote the first song, Missing Manifesto, and then yeah. came home and formed the band. Uh, yeah, it was ten years. So, like I said, we were all still working together. Like uh, me and Gub and Liz would do like house shows all the time, and then yeah, and Bice and Liz and Gub are really close. Like their whole they have they all have families, so they all hang out together all the time. So it doesn't feel like ten years for us because we were always together. Right. Was uh, yeah. was playing acoustic ever something that you wanted to do, like with Screeching Weasel? Like you know. You know how- uh, people get together play an acoustic set or something no my god no with screeching weasel that wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't work well no that's what i'm saying is is it something you would you wanted to do back then but you just obviously you you wouldn't have been able to do with weasel so not at all i mean not at all i mean i always played acoustic guitar like i you know hey babe on the (laughs) the first record is is my my song musically is my song lyrics by ben so i've always played acoustic but i never had Never wanted to introduce it into Screeching Weasel. It just didn't seem to fit at all. Oh no, I no, I know that, but I just thought maybe like you know, because I, I I know in an interview once you had said like uh, one of the first punk rock exposures that you had was Repo Man, and like the Circle oh, Jerks yeah. acoustic thing. So I thought maybe that was maybe you always liked that, and you realized that you could never do it with Screeching Weasel. So you kind of wanted to always start a, you know, something like even in Blackouts. Yeah, no, the Even and Blackouts came more from a, a bunch of different things. I wanted to do something. I didn't want to repeat myself. Like, I didn't want to do a pop punk band. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to maintain that energy. And I, 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 I was trying to do everything opposite. Like, I didn't want a Ben type singer. So I, I was looked for a choir trained vocalist. And, uh, and, and I wanted to play the acoustic because I wanted it to be hard. I wanted to be able to get the energy of electric, but. There's no sustain on acoustic guitar, so that was kind of the driving force for me is to try to force disdain out of a, an acoustic instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
then I got good at it. And then Liz has an amazing voice. So I started actually learning how to play it, you know, <laughs> learning more complicated chords. Cause I was like, I got to keep her interested. So I started writing a lot more complicated music. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So you're able to grow from the whole experience. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I think that's one of the most important things. Yeah. If, yeah. Or else it could stale if you don't. Totally. But it's hard. It's a hard balance, you know, like you don't want a band to change. You know, in many ways, you know, like I, I admit that I usually like a band's earlier records than their more than their later records. And I, I hate that about myself, but <laughs> it's a hard balance to try to strike. Yeah, I always get I always feel this attachment to those to those early Screeching Weasel records, you know, like my high yeah. school days. So the, you know, like my brain hurts and Anthem are just always going to be my favorites. But even the last record, even the you know, there's certain things on Television City and Teen Punks that I really love, you know, that I feel like if I would have just uh, been exposed to them a little bit earlier in life, you know, yeah. I would have loved them more. But they're all good. It all comes down to your attachment, and a lot of the times it's like whatever you really loved as a teenager, you just are always going to love that the most, you know. There's something about being a teenager and you know, like coming of age and such. That just like yeah, prints on most, your brain, you know. Yeah, the most deep-rooted memories in your mind. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna every, every time you recall it, it's gonna you know, like bring that back to life. Totally, yeah. I love that about music. It's the coolest thing about yeah. it, really. I can hear my brain hurts and take myself right back to being, you know, teenager. It's great. When le- when I listen to some songs, I can even get smells that I that I smelled back then. It's really fascinating the way the brain works that way. Yeah, really smells. Yeah, yeah, I, not with every song, but there's occasionally a song, I don't mean like the garbage smell of, of urine in a, <laughs> in a rundown venue, I just something like like a food smell or some like a something uh, that had to do with that memory of during the time when that was yeah. being written or something, I, I, it happens to me occasionally. Yeah, for me it's like if I bring back a lot of those old Weasel records, I start smelling like, you know, pot smoke and stale beer and <laughs> <laughs> all the good stuff from when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening with the podcast jughead yeah it seems like it's been a while since you did an episode man yeah i you know the, I mean, you've been doing those streams pretty frequently though which is cool yeah i've been trying to fill in the space with that sort of more spontaneous the 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 podcast for me is so difficult and once again i if i had a budget i'd be able to dedicate my time to it but even this Smoking Pope's one, which is going to be amazing, but I just can't get myself to spend, you know, 90 hours editing all that. Because <laughs> I interviewed all all three of the brothers, and they were just so excited to talk to me. They invited me over for dinner individually, and or I made food for, for one of them, Eli. And uh, hours. I have, like, I think 12, 13 hours of material for that podcast. Wow. and. I just I'm having trouble even dividing it up because what I do first is I divide I put them in folders and divide them up by like categories some sort of ideas that each one spoke of and then it's an art project for me then I try to fuel them all together into the arc of the album you know how the album feels and it's just too much work and I'm failing in, in getting this last one done so you get there man but I've always loved your show though I love how when you do the album reviews especially They've, you've done some really good ones, man. And at the time, I was learning all types of shit I had never even heard before. It was so cool. 
Yeah, I found out that I had this ability. I think I don't know something about my sort of Zen sort of uh, characteristic I have that people were just easy, easily talking to me. Even people I had just hardly knew, like the Feelies. You might I don't know if you know them as much, but they just started talking to me too. So I must have something in my questioning or the way I talk, where people just reveal some you know stuff they hadn't talked about before. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I did that with the promise ring. I was really surprised. Even surprised them. They're like, I never even thought, you know, they, I got a, a lot of those where they hadn't been asked that in that way or, or they hadn't realized that about their own band. So, right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got some, some more stuff coming from you at least, you know? Yeah. Can't wait for the smoke and pulse one. I actually love, I love that band. So. Yeah. They're such interesting group of guys too. I mean, just the, I was thinking of releasing the one of, of, of josh just on its own because it's fascinating that one's like three hours long we got drunk on wine in his basement and (laughs) (laughs) went off about everything so that one's going to be a hellacious one to edit i feel your pain man i do the editing for the show and sometimes it just becomes a massive like burden you know what i mean and we've been cranking out two every week lately so i've been feeling yeah just a bit (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I try to wire it into a song and I try to get everyone evenly spoken, you know, cause you never hear from the drummer usually from a band. And that was kind of one of the important things to me that everyone sort of got their equals time. Yeah. Uh, so that makes it difficult too. So what's next for you? You, you flying home soon? Um, I'm staying another month here. Uh, I, I actually, I don't think I can get back now because of the, the bands on flight. So I canceled my one flight back now and I'm, I'll be staying another month and then, uh, probably doing so a bunch of theater and then trying to get reschedule those shows. So that's the plan. Right on. Cool. And then cool. after that well, new mopes record, yep. we're going to get in vapid zero somewhere. <laughs> it's somewhere in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a new podcast that I'm working on now with my friend that does a, uh, a horror pop uh, podcast. Oh, His really? name is, is what? Yeah, we're doing a podcast that's about a two-headed beast that does interviews. So, um, for that first episode, I have Kyle Kinane from uh, oh, okay. the stand-up comedian, cool. and uh, and Miguel from Teenage Bottle Rocket. So that'll probably be out in a couple weeks. Definitely looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Is it going to be on the Jugheads uh, on your regular feed, or is it a, an entirely different feed? It's going to be an entirely different feed, but I'll connect it up to that somehow. Cool. You know, looking yeah. forward to that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, actually, I, I asked Miguel what he wanted to talk about, and I so we sort of string it into this sci-fi narrative, but he's actually saying real facts, and we talk a lot about his yoga studio and his books. Right. Um, it's re- it's really good. It's a short interview, but it's, I'm really happy with it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to hearing that. Yeah. That's cool. All right, Jughead. Uh, Thanks so much for stopping by. You were the uh, the final member of the what I call the Fab Four, my Fab Four at least. So I really appreciate it, and uh, hope you uh, stay safe and uh, safe travels, of course. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, Jack. yeah. Thanks, guys. I really do. I really do appreciate it being included in this. I I just love talking to people that know the music. So thanks a lot for the for the uh, opportunity. Thank you for doing it, man. It was a pleasure, and uh, you know we'll see you around. Whenever you do something in our area, I'll be there. All right. Goodbye for now. Yep. Have a good one. Hey, motherfuckers. It's Jay Prozac, and you're in the dummy room.
All right, there you go, man. That was pretty fun. Yeah, Jughead finally on the W room. It's been a yep. long time coming, dude. Yeah, like we we first talked to him, or I messaged with him months and months and months ago. You know, before he uh, before he moved to Japan. Yeah, a long time ago. But yeah, finally yeah. had him join us. It was a lot of fun. Get to hear some crazy mope stuff. That trivia was kind of a nightmare. I don't even know who won, but uh, um, it's still pretty fun. I could tell you. I I'm pretty sure you won. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, not by much though. Um, it was hard because you were sticking to a lot of the old, like the really older songs. I never listened to any of that shit ever. I barely yeah. even listened to anything off of Boogada, really. Yeah. No, man, it was fun. I, I I like doing that because it's like um, I really you know I'm at work usually when I'm doing that I'm at home working from the couch you know yeah and I just I just put on those um those those albums and it's just like i just like listen to them and listen to the lyrics and ideas pop you know like oh there you go and then but what sucks is i come up with this idea to like count something you know (laughs) like tvs or something then i gotta go back you know because i'm like man he says tv a lot you know that's crazy and then it was just like literally last night um it hit me Weasel leads, <laughs> you know, I, I, and then I started counting them. I can't and believe it, there I, was so few. It seems like they're so yeah, prevalent. And yeah, and it was like, I think you know, the later records that Jughead wasn't on. I think those are a little bit more. Um, there's more of them on those. Yeah, maybe. but I think I think that was kind of like this. Maybe they figured out that's the staple sound, you know. It's like but, the formula, um, yeah. So yeah, I was kind of surprised it was so low, and there there was a couple that I was like, "Is it? You know, it's 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 short, but it's like, man, it has that sound, you know, that that fucking that classic Hey Suburbia yeah. melody, you know." So it's like, yeah, I'll count that. And then there was a couple that are like, "Eh, I didn't count." So give or take a couple, <laughs> but yeah, right around thirty three. Wow. Yeah. Good trip. And also, we got a little bit of a. Uh info for those like uh 27 detectives you know <laughs> 27 Couple detectives. More little, little hints and pieces yeah at the end of the day i think it's kind of like those ufo hunters man you're chasing it around there's really nothing there you're just kind of convincing yourself there is but i don't know from what chuck had said if we read back in his facebook there's some definite origins and clues so I don't know if I'm going to be the guy to go digging in for that, but if someone does, let me know. <laughs> I want to know. I do want to know. Well, we know somebody will. Yeah, hopefully. So I don't want to name names, but I, I know who's going to do it. So <laughs> Right on. Uh, all right, man. I got to get out of here, dude. Yeah, it's about that time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just talk next week. Yep. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks, Jughead, for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Dummy Room. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.